As you're listening to this show, you're probably training for a race. But how dialed in is your race nutrition? Precision Fuel and Hydration has a free online planner that you can use to work out how much carb, sodium, and fluid you need to perform at your best. Brady regularly uses their resealable 90 gram gels on his longer runs. Click the link in the show notes to use the planner to personalize your strategy for your next race. Then use the code INSIDE to get 15% off your first order of fuel and electrolytes and help support the show. More details at precisionhydration.com. Now let's get to it. Episode number 326 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Got a big show coming at you this week for a quiet time of the year. AC Track and Field Champs happened. South Australia had some 5Ks. Asaka Women's Marathon. Some quick times there to talk about as well. Some quick times indoor in the States as usual. Uh, some drug news. We also got the uh, the co-founder and CEO of Precision Fuel and Hydration, Andy Blow, joining us a bit later in the show. And we've got a guest co-host to tell you all about. Welcome to my usual co-host, though. He's up in Canberra. Bradley Croker, how are you this week? Not too bad, Brady. 326 episodes, hey? We must be due for long service leave soon. Continuous as well, Bradley. Haven't missed a week for 326 weeks. Not the same three people, but uh, an episode has come out for 326 weeks. Yeah. How are you going? I hear you've been on the beers all afternoon and just cracked another one by the sounds of it. Just enjoying the last couple of days of school holidays here, Bradley. A few social events and, um, yeah, not so much looking forward to going back to school on uh, Thursday. But, yeah, it's good weather to have a beer and I'm looking forward to talking all things running with you over a uh, beer this evening. Can you confirm that you've had beers this afternoon, you smashed a Barocca and now you're back on the beers? Nah, none of those things are true. I'm ready for work. We've got a big co-host, so you cannot be drinking when you've got a big co-host joining us here. Let me give you some stats about our co-host this week. Uh, she was eighth at the New York Marathon and the winner of the Sydney Morning Herald, Launceston and Hobart Half Marathons, 13th at the World Championships, over 10,000 metres in 2019 and 23rd at the 2021 Olympic Marathon. Due to popular demand, the Australian running public's favourite female distance runner, Ali Pashley, welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast. Thanks, Brady. Everyone would have been like, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Oh, Ali again. <laughs> no, we got we got some great feedback Not last again. time and people are like, get her back. Have her permanently, the guests, for like, you know, every week when Moose isn't here. But we're like, not quite every week, but we'll give you every second or third week to build her uh, hype leading into Osaka. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because you're off Strava now, Ellie. I really want to know how the last few weeks have gone. Oh yeah, they've been they've been up and down. Oh. Yeah. Croaks did just have a word to your off air because last time you were on, we had to cut about three things off before it went public on the Wednesday as well. So uh, just got to keep your coach happy tonight, Ali. Keep the gusto high, but all the controversial stuff. Let's just keep a lid on that, maybe. Yeah, I need to think before I speak. I think sometimes I think I'm just here having a conversation and I forget that. 
there's a lot of people listening and yeah I got in trouble from a couple of people after that one including Julian Spence so I'll keep a lid on it tonight it was a big week editing that week I reckon Croaks that wasn't it was. uh, wasn't fun for us set up the Patreon then we had to pull it for Patreon and then hold off and do this and do that but but we got there in the end worth having you on even if it does uh cost us a few hours of editing Ellie yeah 100% yeah. About time Zacha did some work. Oh, that's my job. Oh, is that your yeah, job? Yeah, that's my job. I've like, got heaps Sorry, of work to do. Zacha just puts like good looking <laughs> stuff on our social media. He does nothing. Uh, uh, tell us about your fitness alley. Where you at? You just about uh, just gone four weeks out from a Saka marathon yesterday. Let's hear about your training week. Yeah, so I've had I've had I had a couple of really big weeks in a row, and then I was almost in a little bit of a hole. I'll say, you know that mid-marathon block I don't know if this happens to you guys and it has happened to me before where I had a couple of bad sessions in a row just couldn't hit paces I just felt a bit cooked basically um and then I felt like I'd just been training so hard and I'd been going really hard every session but it was almost like the fitness hadn't quite kicked in yet and then sorry Ellie was this before or after that 10k uh this was just after the 10k i think mm. yeah so since we spoke and last in between since we spoke last yeah yeah i reckon it was actually that week coming off that perhaps and then yeah it's kind of the, the last two weeks i guess it's i've sort of feel like i've come good again so i just had to i think i had to be really conscious of yeah keeping my easy days a bit easier and um i had a week off heat last week and a slight down week so i think that helped a little um more as well but yeah so like it's been training's been going well I just had yeah a couple of sessions that I I still did like almost hit them but I couldn't quite get the paces that Jules had set and yeah I just it was a real battle mental and physical battle but anyway um this last week well before the Monday what did you have on the Sunday yeah so that Sunday I had a, a 34k tempo um, so I did, I was in Adelaide actually for the weekend, which was really nice. So I had 38 Ks in total, um, 34 K at, uh, it was yeah, 334 pace it ended up being. So, um, I actually had Jess jump in with me for the first 11 or 12 Ks of that, which was, which was awesome. So, um, I thought I didn't even really realize till after it, but that was very impressive by her. So she's four months postpartum. And she did 12Ks at 3.34s with me. And she seemed comfortable. So, yeah, mm. Jess, Jess is fit. <laughs> Bit of a lowdown on South Australian mm. athletes. Good whisper out of, out of South Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was good. And then I had my dad was actually over there watching the tour down under, which was very handy. So he jumped on the bike with me and rode giving me drinks just because, um, yeah, it was pretty warm in Adelaide as you can imagine. So yeah, that was a good one. And then I actually had a rest day after that. So the next day we were flying home and Jules gave me a full day off. So no running, uh, no cross training. That was nice. And then Tuesday I just had uh, 14 and a half in the morning, which was meant to be easy, but I ran with Jules over some hills and we sort of ran 418. So we kind of got rolling a little bit there. I think I was a bit fresh coming off my rest day and he was just doing his usual thing, half wheeling me on the hill. So um, that was a good one. And then the afternoon I just did 45 minutes on the elliptical. 
Uh, Wednesday morning we had a workout. So Brady was here for this one, actually. You'll hear about his soon. But um, we went to what we call the Chanel Estate, which is uh, – I think I'd done a workout there last time I was on the show. So it's a mile loop uh, just out of Torquay, dead flat, beautiful roads, all these big mansions. Um yeah, it's a pretty nice loop. So the plan was we were doing two laps for each rep, which is just over 3Ks, uh, and progressive. So we got told to start around 325s and then cut sort of a couple of sec- seconds each rep. And I think we pretty much did that. So I had uh, – Kieran was away, so it was me and Will, and then a few of the other guys um, jumped in with us and did the first three. So we went – 324s, 22s, 20s, 18s, 16s. Um, yeah, that that felt good actually. This was the Sunday and then this day I was coming out of my hole that I'd been in. Um, so that was a good confidence booster, although we didn't run anywhere near as fast as uh, Jules and Brady did. But you'll hear about that soon. <laughs> um, and then that afternoon I just did elliptical again. So another 45 minutes. Um, next day was just easy 10 Ks in the morning and then elliptical in the afternoon. I think I did 50 minutes in the afternoon and then Friday I just had, uh, I just had, I did 17 Ks and I was meant to do a 10 minute pickup at the end, but I was juggling, um, Joe's had to start work a bit earlier than he thought. So I actually did it in the middle of the run. Then I had to go back and get her and take her in the pram for the rest um, which was hard work. So I did 10 minutes in the middle with Jordan. He was doing a session, so we just kind of ran 3.30s, uh, like on Bamber Road, which is the flat road near my house. And then a bit of a pram jog cool down with Tig, 45 on the elliptical again in the afternoon. And then Saturday morning, I just ran in Aries with Liam Coglin. Um, so he's a guy that I coach. He lives in Melbourne, but he comes down to Aries a lot. So that was nice. And then... Sunday, oh, elliptical again in the Arvo. Lots of elliptical doubles this week. And then Sunday we had probably the hardest session I've ever done. So it was the idea was about 40Ks, first 30 steady over hills, and then into 3 by 2 k at a bit faster than marathon pace. So he'd said to us about 3.20s and then 1K at 3.10s which I argued a bit with Jules on this because I'm like 310s is my 5K pace. That's, I think this might be too hard. And he said, no, it's not, amongst other things. Uh, and anyway, yeah, the first 30K was pretty tough. The trails were pretty sandy and I think we ran, I averaged about 409s. Um, but, yeah, it was a fair bit of climbing and kind of they're sort of nasty hills. It's like lots of steep sharp yeah trails and anyway it was I felt shocking for the first 10k and then I kind of felt all right for the next 10k which was it got a little we were still climbing but it was a little more gradual and then we came down for five or six k then back up and by the end of the 30k I was like oh I'm this is really hard like the whole yeah the whole run already had felt hard I I didn't think I was going to be able to run quick but um 
yeah, Jules kind of gave me an option to make it a little bit easier. And I said, oh, I'll, I still want to do the same session we had planned, but I'll just, I don't know if I'll be able to hit the paces, but we'll see how we go. So we got back to the car, um, changed shoes. And then, yeah, we did, we ran out and back along Forest Road for these reps. So they are a little bit all over the place, depending on, like it's pretty much flat, but one direction is slightly uphill and one direction is slightly downhill. So the first 2K, we went 320. Then the 1K was 311. And then the next 2K says 311. But that was kind of where we were downhill and we almost had a bit of a tailwind behind us. Um, and then the next 1K, we turned back into the uphill and that was 314. So the 2K and 1K were kind of the wrong way around there. And then we went 2K at 318s and then I finished with a K at 309. Um, so, yeah, that was really hard and what were the recoveries between those faster reps uh they were either two minutes or 90 seconds so it was meant to be two minutes after the 2k 90 seconds after the 1k but um is that, I think jo- we... is that jog or sort of standing no no just a standing recovery so the recovery was pretty generous originally he'd written 90 seconds 60 seconds and then he i think we we're all kind of beat up after the 30k so he changed it um and yeah, I think we got it the wrong <laughs> wrong way around on one of them, but yeah, basically either a minute and a half or two minutes. Um, so That's yeah, impressive, impressive um, speed at the back end of a long run. Yeah, you got to take a yeah, lot of effort from that. Yeah, I did. Like it, I didn't think I was going to be able to run those paces with how I felt, and it. Yeah, I was basically going as hard as I could for all of those reps, but um, yeah, I did. Once I did the first one, I sort of. Almost, I think I'd felt so bad in the first part of the run that just being able to almost hit the paces, I was like, okay, I felt a little bit better. And I was like, I'm going to keep trying to hit this and I'll just see what happens. And then, yeah, so got through it. Will was ahead of, he finished ahead of me on the last couple. So he's going well. Um, but yeah, and Jules, Jules did really well too. So that was, yeah, good to tick that one off. And then Jules said at the end, that'll be the hardest one we do thank God, because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like going to the well every session, I just don't know how many more times I can do that. I feel like I'm, yeah, they've, all the workouts have been so hard. I'm kind of at my limit there. Is this different to other blocks in terms of, because I like obviously seeing um, what Julian's doing on Strava and it seems like every Sunday for the last, I don't know how many weeks has been like a pretty solid session. Is that, is that sort of what you've been doing in previous preps? Um, yeah, it's it's similar stuff, but it's just faster, and it's definitely been harder than any other block I've done. And I don't know if it. I think it's. Well, I haven't really done more mileage. Like we've been a bit more conservative with mileage just because of that injury I had. But I have been doing the heat and the cross training as well. So I don't know. Yeah, it's felt a lot. I felt a lot more fatigued overall. But I think also every session has been hard. Where I feel like in other blocks, sometimes I've had sessions where they've felt you know, kind of easy or, mm. and the pace, like the paces have just been always a stretch rather than, you know, go and do your marathon pace intervals at three thirties or whatever, which I know that I can do, but this is yeah, a significant amount faster, which yeah. So I think mentally it's been hard too, cause I go into them being like, Oh, this is going to be really hard. <laughs> and what's the weather been like down there? Cause it, it is much harder training for a marathon, like, in the heat and so i feel like 
the fact that you're nailing the sessions, when you go over and it's, I don't know, five degrees or whatever, you're going to feel like amazing, especially with all the heat stuff you've been doing as well. Yeah, hopefully. Like, I mean, we don't, it's not really hot down here in summer, but it has been a more humid summer than normal. So even in the mornings, if it's only been sort of, you know, 20, 21 or whatever, I think it has been, been quite humid and um, yeah, yeah, like you said, like I haven't, I don't think I've ever done a marathon block down here over summer. I've obviously done the hot one before Tokyo, but um, I am hoping that then when I get to Japan, it feels really nice when it's mm. six degrees instead. Um, but yeah, so that's a cu- when I had those couple of bad ones, I did have to sort of remind myself of that, like trying to hit the, pa- the paces I'm trying to hit, you know, in completely different conditions is not always going to be possible. Well, that's it. 20, like 20 degrees and high humidity where it feels like 20 four 25 degrees like you know that's going to be way harder to hit the paces than if it was five degrees or 10 degrees yeah so, yeah, yeah it's good exactly. that, good you factor that in with the sunday alley being like um like one of the harder ones say like a nine out of ten what what would you put the wednesday as um wednesday wednesday was one of the better ones the easier ones we've done i reckon mm. I think it was just the shorter reps and like even when he told us about that, I knew it was going to be hard at the end, but it didn't seem unachievable. So, yeah, if Sunday was 9 out of 10, Wednesday maybe, like it was still hard. Uh, Compared across this whole block, that would have probably only been like a 6 or 7 out of 10 where most of them have been, yeah eight or nine or Sunday was probably 10. <laughs> That's probably why Brady smacked the last rep on Wednesday to turn it into an eight or a nine out of 10. Had to do some work, Brooks. <laughs> but I can't later. believe that, like, I cannot believe how fast you ran because me and Will were pushing on the last one to get it down to kind of three fifteens or whatever it was. And like you, you guys ran relatively, I feel like you were running a lot faster than what we were and your progressions were much bigger. So that was impressive because I we were still working really hard and couldn't yeah. We were like ten k pace for the last three k on a pretty generous GPS loop. Like it's not. It looks you, better than it was. You were ten k pace. Yeah, well, I averaged three oh ones for the last three yeah. k, which I think is probably more like three oh threes, three oh fours, or maybe a straight road. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. We were probably running about 10K pace mm. too, which is quite mm. similar. Yeah. yeah. How many Ks was that, Ellie, for the week? Uh, I think it was about 125. But yeah. a heap of, heap of elliptical. Yeah, yeah. I did elliptical every day other than Sunday, I think. So. And, and a day off. Yeah. A day off, yeah. You're yeah. still in the heat chamber so that doing those? Down, and then it'll go back up this week um, in, the heat, in, the in the shipping container yeah. heat chamber. Yeah, yeah. Two heaters. Um, I had heat. I didn't do heat last week, though. Sorry. So because it was a down week, we took heat out, and double runs became elliptical. And then this week, I'm back on heat, so all my doubles will be runs again. Um, and I'll do them in the yeah in the shipping container with the heaters. I did one the Sabo. I've only got, I'm only going to do heat this week and next week, and then it's done. So I'm not going to do any for two weeks leading into the race. I think a few weeks ago I asked you how many um, or what percentage would, would were you to like be ready to go, and I think you said eighty five. Where's that sitting at now? Four weeks out. 
Uh, yeah, I feel uh, I feel better now than that. Like I, it went downhill after that to seventy <laughs> percent, <laughs> maybe less. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I'm maybe up at 95 percent ready to go. I don't know. I, I need a few more. I feel like um, we've done a lot of stuff kind of faster than marathon pace or the long tempos slower than marathon pace. So I think the next few weeks we're going to do a bit more, well, goal marathon pace, um, not marathon pace. So we, we'll do a bit more of that. And I think that'll give me a bit more of a gauge of where I'm at. And yeah, what, you know, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's good. Rightio, Croaks, match that. Tell us about your week. No, nah, you do your week. You're the one that's doing the interesting training, got the marathon coming up. So nah, you go. you do yours because I just need to, I'm going to mute myself and move locations. I'm going to need like 90 seconds off the bike for a second if that's okay. Yeah, no worries. All right. So, um, yeah, my first run was Tuesday. So we met down at the lake and, uh, yeah, did a session of five-minute, four-minute, three-minute, two-minute, one-minute, five-minute, all with like 75-second jog between. So, um, yeah, I normally sort of start these around sort of 60 minute pace or effort and then try and progress it um, by generally about five seconds a K or so. So I started at 322s for the five minute rep, uh, then went 318s, uh, 312 um, for the three minute rep, and then 303 for the two, um, and then 259 for the one minute rep. Uh, and then back to 312 for the five-minute rep, and the jogs were sort of between 415 and 430k pace. So um, end up averaging like 326s for that session. Um, yeah, I was really happy with how I felt. I reckon probably the three-minute rep um, felt like the hardest, and then the two and the one was running fast, but they were short enough that you know you never sort of felt like it was too taxing. And then I felt actually really smooth in the last five-minute rep compared to the. Um, compared to the first five-minute rep anyway. So, um, yeah, that was was a pretty good it's session. It's a um, workout, that one. Yeah, it is good. It, it goes to show, though, for me, like, I, I really need to do more sessions where I do some quick stuff in the middle and then go longer again because, like, if you asked me to run 312s for that first five-minute rep, I would have been, like, so lactic and just, yeah, like, it would have been really, really hard. Or it would have felt like an all-out effort. Whereas it didn't, it felt really smooth after having done like, you know, a three, two and a one. Um, so I find I respond really well to those sort of sessions, particularly in the mornings when I'm probably just not as warm, warmed up as I should be at the start of the sessions. Uh, and then, yeah, Wednesday, I uh, got out for 90 minutes, um, 4.13s, just out at Mulligans. Thursday, uh, yeah, was that just a, a loop around Mulligans again, 4.22s. And then Friday morning, um, Australia Day, we we met out at the Arboretum, uh, which is actually where they yeah so where they hold the Australian of the Year awards. I don't know if anybody saw the view overlooking it. So it's a really nice place actually. It's pretty close to Stromlo. Um, yes, yeah, so we met there. It was really like we had over 20 people, um, which was I think a a group record for the session. Uh, and then it was so humid. I think it was. Yeah, I don't know, it was 20 degrees at 7 a.m. and, like, the humidity was, like, 80% already. So even just warming up, we just had, like, sweat dripping off us. And uh, I had a 30-minute tempo. Um, a few of the others who are starting to get ready for Canberra Marathon had, like, two by 20 minutes uh, over the rolling hills at sort of, you know, marathon effort, um, maybe a bit bit easier. Um, yeah, and so this was, this was pretty tough, like, especially the back end of it. So I averaged 332s for... 30 minutes um it would have had i don't know 100 and so it was 8 point just under 8.5k 
140 meters of elevation. Um, yeah, like compared to the Tuesday session where I ran significantly faster uh, and felt a lot easier, this was this was hard. But it's one of those sessions where, yeah, it never looks good on on Strava, but you're definitely working when you're doing a 30 minute tempo over hills. So uh, I was glad to just get through that one. What pace uh, did you run on that um, loop last time? Uh, so pretty much the same. Yeah, maybe 331s. But it was a slightly different session. It was fartlek last time, so it was two minute fifteen on seventy five second sort of solid jog, whereas this yeah. time it was just thirty minutes straight. Um, but I think the weather played a factor here. Like I'm definitely fitter than I was when I did the last session, um, but I think the heat and humidity probably. Yeah, I reckon I probably would have run five seconds a k faster if the conditions were the same. Um, but anyway, it was uh, that was good. Uh, and then Saturday. Uh, just 40 minutes out of um, Mulligans again, 420s. And then Sunday, I uh, met up with, yeah, Zach, Rob and Ryan for um, two hours. And, yeah, the week before, like, it was hot and we ran. I ran way too hard. Like, it felt, yeah, the last 20 minutes of the previous week's sun, Sunday run was just, <laughs> yeah, I was looking forward to it being, like, finished. And so I said to everybody, look, we just need to chill a little bit more on these long runs. Uh, the weather was way better. It was like the first morning where the air was crisp and you could breathe. Uh, so I did, yeah, 28K, uh, 416s. D- definitely felt way more controlled. Um, like I didn't have any any gels or anything on that run. Um, so, yeah, another week of a 101K. Um, the only other thing I had to add for that week was after Tuesday's session, I, um, I went and saw my physio, uh, not because I was injured, but just I thought um, – like I'm, I'm in two minds about you know joining up to the gym again because I feel like as I'm getting older, like I don't think I can get much more like aerobically strong because um, of just how much running I'm doing. But I feel like I am starting to like lack a little bit of like power when I run and strength uh, just just from aging. So um, I just wanted to go and see him to see you know where he thought I was maybe a bit deficient. Um, you know, gave me some exercises and then I might sort of progress that to some gym work. Um, but he was pretty happy with actually like how all my sort of like hip stability and glute stuff was. So, um, yeah, so I did that during the week, which was, which is good. Almost like <laughs> he, uh, I was with him for nearly two hours. Very, very generous with his time. Physio wow. two hours. Yeah. Yeah. He must have been very busy. Two hours. <laughs> No, I don't think, he, don't think he had an appointment after mine. So, um, yeah, it was <laughs> – luckily I didn't have an appointment to go to because <laughs> I was, like, yeah. expecting to be there for an hour max. And then it's just, yeah, he's, like, still just into my back. And, and then we go and spend, like, 20 minutes doing some exercises. And, yeah, but great value for money. <laughs> so what sort of exercises did he give you? Oh, uh, the one, like, you know, the, the squat off a step, um, some, yeah, like, split squat type stuff uh some actually like jump like jump and landing i've never done any of that oh, yeah. sort of stuff like try, trying to land really softly and like obviously keep your knee and your hip and everything all pretty like you know stationary off a box um, like jump yeah, up onto the box yeah, or, or a step or whatever yeah and then just some single legged stuff like single leg um bridges and all that sort of stuff but um yeah like i think if I don't know, like if I get the all clear to sort of ramp up my training a little bit when I go to Melbourne, I might um yeah jump back in the gym and um just do some yeah do some more strength stuff. I love that you slow down that long run. Your heart rate average is still one fifty two though. Ah, uh, that, oh, that was risk. Yeah, I was risk because I was yeah I was driving out. 
had my heart rate strap on and um because the only way i can run for two hours with a heart rate strap is by putting some like body glide on yeah and um i did have the body glide in the car for quite a while but then on the hot days it would just like melt so i've had it in the garage but then i forgot to put it in the car when i left i'm like well there's no way i'm doing two hours with the heart rate strap on so uh that was just wrist heart rate but it was definitely it was definitely way more controlled than the week before yeah very good it's getting fit i whistle through this week um let me tell you about monday uh 13k easy at 444s ran with a guy brad white he was holidaying up here so i coached brad so it was good to see him in person and he's a big geelong cats fan so we had a bit of footy talk on that job which was nice uh 7k in the afternoon been watching beef on netflix anyone watch that oh no is that good i didn't think it was going to be good but it is good like I thought, ah, oh, this is real trashy, but it will pass the time well on the treadmill. But now I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to watching episodes. It got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's um, yeah, it's worth watching. Yeah. I'll recommend it. Different, okay. but yeah, check it out. Uh, Tuesday, 18k at 4:37 in the morning. Listening to a road to Osaka, so that's always good. Tara Palm was really good on that. I thought last week. So um, Miss Moose, but it's good to hear his voice every Tuesday morning on my easy jog. And then I drove to uh, Bendigo, met up with my mate Crammers, and then we went to uh, Grovedale, Geelong, to uh, stay with his brother, Ryan Cranberry. We did 30 minutes easy when we got there, 4.47 pace, just a little track along the uh, creek there. Um, and then Wednesday, this was the workout Ali was talking about, five by two laps of the Surf Coast Industrial Estate Croaks. Beautiful. Should see how nice this place is. $2 million houses everywhere beautiful road surface easy like turns like they're not too tight you can kind of like especially the top bend you can kind of get around the turns without slowing down too much um yeah very very nice estate to be running around hey ellie before you go into the session brady how excited was he i reckon you'd be like a kid in a candy store having someone to train with That's and being down there with you pretty relaxed wasn't I, ellie? I reckon yeah i actually thought you were quite relaxed i reckon jules was excited <laughs> he has done a lot although i heard that they were bickering the whole way oh, around there i'll lap. tell you about that yeah well, but the, um the, the, he has done yeah. a lot solo too so i think he was happy to have a buddy well the first bickering started croaks when they all got lost in the warm-up and no one knew which way to go and we did like oh. 6k warm-ups because they're yeah. all arguing with each other and you're like did so, you guys live here that was Julian. So I, yeah. you know how we were running and I turned right. He was like, we're not going that way. That's too long. That's 5Ks or something. And then I was like, right, well, do you know where you're going? And then he took us. It ended up being six and a half, didn't it? So mm. Yeah, long warm-up. Not used to six and a half no warm-ups. Doesn't sound like Julian. Yeah. And then he's got this. Thing. I actually don't mind a long warm-up, though. I don't know about you guys, but now that I'm old, I feel like it takes me, like you were saying earlier, Brad, with your track stuff, I reckon it takes me 6Ks to get going anyway it was hot though it was like 20 degrees and the sun was coming up quick yeah. so i was like oh i don't know if we should be going for this long but the actual once the sun come up the clouds come over um windy day brad windy day and then so like moose has got this thing where he doesn't tell anyone the workout which i just thought he was being cagey in our message group um beforehand but when i got there and got out of the car like these geelong guys are like do you know the workout what are we doing kind of trying to get <laughs> goss out of me and i'm like i don't know what we're doing but i heard it was a uh, 3k um yeah 3k reps so then he explains the session and in our message group the night before he told us starting at 318 can you remember that yeah 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 so it turns out that changed but i didn't get told about that so um two laps around this this circuit which was like i think it was 3.1k maybe a bit further 
Um, we went the opposite yeah. way to Ali's group. So like we were running at each other both times and then we swapped direction every rep. So things were getting confusing. So me and Moose did the first one at 318, which I thought was right. And then oh, another thing, Crooks, when you're training with someone, just one other person, do you run side by side or behind each other? Or one uh, in front of the other? Gen- I'd say, no, generally side by side. Yeah, see, Archie and I are very much like someone takes responsibility for the rep and the other person sits in and then you swap it. Um, just so you're uh, not like, do half-stepping. It to- yeah, we run side by side unless it's windy like that morning we took mm. in turns of leading. Yeah. So I um I said to Moose, I'm like, oh, I'm happy to sit behind you. You re- lead the first one and then I'll take the second one. And then about 500 metres in, he's like, nah, this feels weird. Come up next to me. So I'm like, okay. So we did the first one, 318. And then um the second one, I must have taken the lead for a bit. And he's like yelling at me saying, it's too quick. And we're running like 314 pace. And I'm like, aren't we meant to be running like 315? He's like, nah, the first one was meant to be 321 and then this one's 318. I'm just like, oh, I missed that memo. Sorry. Um, but we still ran 315 for the second one. Third one was 310. Fourth one was 306. And um, we had a Lockie Doak on the bike croaks. Like, it's so good down there. You've got people on the bike. You've got mm-hmm. AFL footballers standing in front of their, like, driveway watching your train. You've got people <laughs> with, like, selfie sticks riding around, like, filming people. And I'm just like, this is unbelievable. I just see like one farmer and some wild dogs when I do workouts up here in Atchukamalama. Like it was. But Ellie Pashley's part of that group. I know. Yeah, that's why. I'm like, this is. Makes it so much easier. This marathon block has been crazy. Like, because half of our group of school teachers, they're all on holidays. We have had bikes and like everyone else jumping in to help out every week. It's been pretty awesome. Yeah, you normally have camera drink. Yeah, it was. I felt like I was in a flow track video croaks. So I was getting a bit excited. Um, Lockie Doak takes the wind on the second last rep, so rep four, and Moose just jumped off. He just dropped off a tiny bit, and I said to Lockie because I was on the wheel, I'm like, "Hey, like, just slow down a bit. We can we can lose a bit of time here. Let's keep the group together." Um, Wait for our slow ass friend. Yeah, yeah, we're all trained together. You don't need a winner workout. Like, just yeah, look after ourselves here. And then we had we were extending the recovery. So the first gap we had 90, 90 seconds, and then I think we went two minutes, two minutes, and then between the fourth and the fifth we went two minutes fifteen. Um, and I was like, my heart rate dropped to one twenty two in between rep four and five. Like I felt really good. And then in the last one, yeah, Lockie took the wind again. Um, we did the first lap together, and then Moose dropped off a bit into the headwind, and then I just switched things off and just yeah finished the lap. So um, yeah, there'd be two story, two two sides of that story, but that's my side of the story. Felt very in control at the end there. Moose will say I leathered myself and was all out. I think my heart rate got to like one hundred and seventy-two. A bit of mail with the GPS. A, yeah, well, he was just annoyed because you dropped him. Yeah. It's interesting with the GPS, Brady, because you do run in different directions for each rep. I reckon the reps where the watch is on the outside yep, which would, was the measure, last rep. would measure long, yep. which would also say you're running faster mm. than the reps where you're running with the watch on the inside. I actually haven't looked at that. So one, yeah, three, and five, are they longer? Have you got it open? Yeah, it is. So like 3.15 versus like 3.12, so about 30 metres. Yeah, so that difference. would be it. Yeah. And that, yeah, and we, so we had, it was about 20k wind, like it was pretty actually windy, so you actually felt it when you were going into it, and then you felt amazing when you had it by your um, by your back, so good workout, had so much fun, so good to have company, really enjoyed that, um, yeah, and like we give them some shit on this show, Croaks, the Surf Coast Track Club, but they're actually pretty good people down there, so um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Did an uh, jog in the afternoon, had a couple of uh, beers with a mate, that's also why I was down there for, to catch up with a mate I hadn't seen for about a year, so um, that was good. 
Thursday got out for 40 minutes at 4.57s at Point Addis. Um, pretty technical through their alley, some little little tracks and some, some rock jumping and um, some beautiful views yeah. as well. It's nice in there. We yeah. actually ran in – we took you around mm. there that other time when you came and did a long run. Yeah, we went from the other us. direction, I reckon, didn't we? But, yeah, yeah that was nice. Yeah, from Torquay maybe. Yeah, yeah, so it was good. Um, and then drove back to Echuca, so I didn't run in the afternoon. Friday, did 20K in the morning at 4.37s and then 8K on the treadmill. Saturday, 16K in the morning, 7K in the treadmill. Just put on my notes on Strava, that New Balance um, Super Comp Trainer 2. I reckon it's the best treadmill shoe getting around because it's got the carbon plate in it for a jogging shoe. And it's just, um, yeah, the way it hits the treadmill. You jogged in it on the treadmill, Ali? Which one? The Is it Super Comp Trainer 2? Oh, the Super Comp Trainer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. Very good on the treadmill. Thanks to the running company Geelong for hooking me up with that shoe. And then Sunday. Yeah. I, like, this, I like the one better, I think. Never tried the, the one, so I've only got an opinion on the two. Yeah, the two's a bit narrower. My feet are a bit wide for it, I think. I just oh, okay. probably need to get a bigger size. But, yeah, it's a it's like a fast, easy yeah. shoe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it feels yeah. super good, super squishy under there. Um, and then Sunday, 32K tempo, working on that, like, 95% goal marathon pace. Had a listener, uh, Chris McTaggart, who's been a long-time listener. He comes to um, Malama, I reckon, once a year. I've jogged with him before. Crooks, can you remember years ago, I reckon I spoke about the listener who had a tattoo for every marathon he did? Do you remember that? Va- vaguely. Chris? Yeah. yeah, vaguely remember. Uh, so he was on the bike this time. So he did a great job handing me the drinks. A um, couple of times when it was a bit windy, jumped on his back wheel, keeping me company, telling me some stories. Yeah, same thing again. I was spoiled this week with people on bikes and training partners. So uh, kind of did a lap of a chuka and then we went out to Moama, um, out and back out there. So yeah, it was good. Average 324, heart rate average 159. Didn't feel, yeah, I felt really good aerobically, but kind of doing these workouts for like to smash the legs up and just get bored. I have, This is the least like favorite one. I would much prefer to do what you did, Ali, the long run into the workout than just lock into this pace and hold it for nearly two hours. Oh, really? See, oh, I like these ones. Do you? Yeah, I yeah. do. I, I, I didn't like the first one we did. I found that quite hard. I think normally when I've done them in the past, I've done them slightly slower, but this yeah, I actually like that rhythm. I often find the first part of it harder, mm. and then once I get into the rhythm, you know, the last fifteen k or so, yeah, yeah, it's good. That's was good. it? Was that your plan to run that pace? Or uh, I did thirty k just... about two or three weeks ago at three twenty fives, and I was kind of said to him like. 95% is pretty much as slow as like 327, 328s. So I was always like, okay. there was a couple in there where we're like 329s, 328s, didn't have to worry. Then we had a bit of a tailwind for probably oh, 6 or 7K, pretty straight road, and there were like some 320s and 22s and stuff like that. So, um, But then when we hit the headwind probably the last 6 or 7K, there was a lot more closer to... 325. But then it just means you don't have to oh, panic. That's pretty you good if like, you can run yeah. over 95%. Because I... Yeah, when I give this to people, I often give ninety to ninety five because sometimes yeah. I worry that, oh, like ninety five is almost getting a bit too close to the fire. But yeah, you obviously felt good if you could run that. Yeah, felt felt alright. Like probably more so just tr- like the gut training of it as well. Like trying, I probably went a bit aggressive again with the the ninety grams in the first twenty one k's. Um, and then I just been struggling. I might ask Andy when we get him on. Struggling for that kind of like second hour when it feels like I've already taken on 
the first hour. Like I feel like I can nail yeah. it early, and then it's. I, don't, I think I'm going to have to go to drink mix more. I just had high, I just had the um, electrolyte drink in my drink bottles. Oh, and I tried a bit of Red Bull after Tommy last week. Which was, oh yeah, um, how was yeah, that? Yeah, it was good. I reckon I had some at about twenty nine k, so it was only a few k to go, but um, yeah, it was good mentally to kind of chuck something different in. But yeah, it's good to pra- if you're practicing with the ninety grams. So like, it's sometimes good to do that, and then you can drop it back a bit for the race if yeah you need to, and it might sit a lot better. Yeah, or I'm thinking like still take the ninety grams, but instead of trying to get it down over the first twenty one k's, put it out to like. 27 28 k's and then pick up three or four drinks with carb mix in it to just uh yeah so you don't yeah so then you're not you're not doing nine oh yeah so sorry you're not doing 90 grams an hour you're doing 90 grams you still might be doing 90 grams an hour but you might only get 70 of those grams from sorry i'm talking like an hour and 10 hour and nine half marathon yeah Um, yeah yeah, so yeah so it might be 85 grams an hour but you might get 70 of it from the gel and then the other bit from the um the drink mix yeah just to yeah. mix it up nine is pretty high yeah is it like yeah i reckon yeah i get about 70 70 something an hour in yeah and i like i wouldn't weigh much less than you yeah no i think i'll just die it's, yeah it's not bad to push the limits a bit in training and yeah yeah go from there. i was trying to do that as well i was trying to go higher end to see what i could tolerate and i yeah I, I sort of found what was too much. So then I've kind of gone back to what I was doing. Yeah. It's it's tricky. Like you want to train your gut, but you also, some of those big key sessions, you don't want to stuff them up by mm. giving yourself gut issues. Yeah. So it's like finding that you almost have to, yeah, just creep it up and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, confidence. Like you finish that going, yep, yeah, cool, 32K done. Like didn't feel like you're popping at all, like, gun to a head probably could have gone another 10k at that pace and ran 222 223 for the marathon whatever that works out to be maybe a bit slower 224 um it's 223.30 yeah Yeah, is it yeah you've done the numbers on that (laughs) i've been studying yeah yeah so 224 good week 169k i've got a bit of runner's knee though like i haven't had runner's knee for ages but just in the cool down after i changed my shoes i was just like rubbing my knee and i'm like oh that's tender and then I'm like, oh, I've got to get on the foam roller, smash some anti-inflames. Just ran once today. Just got to get on top of it early on. Mm. Um, Did a pull-up sore today? Uh, yeah, it was sore this morning. And you know when you're like going down, up and down steps and stuff? Like it feels like it just stretches like over your kneecap there. Um, yeah. But even the afternoon, like I just walked one of the kids in the pram and I couldn't feel it at all. So oh, that's um, I was pretty aggressive with the ice and the anti-inflames. And the, the, it's all in your quads, isn't it? You've got to loosen up the quads. Don't you get the pain yeah. in your knee, but it's all in the quads? Yeah, yeah, it can be, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, he, yeah, trying to get on top of it now is a good idea. Yeah, like, yeah. A couple even, of easy days. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There's uh, too much to lose, not enough to gain by flogging some easy days at this time of the, the build-up. Nah. Let's say some Patreon supporters, Croaks. All right, I've got Luke Johnston this week. Uh, unfortunately, Strava was locked down, but did a bit of searching, and I think he might be from Perth and has won the Burwood Peninsula Park Run on a couple of occasions with a best time of 17.11, uh, possibly studied a Bachelor of Commerce at Curtin University uh, and is a contract advisor at Roy Hill, which is a world-class iron ore mining operation. So thanks for your support, Luke, and hopefully those, um, yeah, all that information is correct. Yes, Mark, I another one. Who you got, Ali? Uh, I've got, I think, am I blue? Yeah. You are. 
Yeah. I've got Sebastian Kent, otherwise known as Seb. Uh, so he's a Geelong guy, lives in Belmont. 10K PB of 35.25 from the River Run in 2022. I reckon he might have run faster than that, but not sure. Uh, 82 minutes. Yeah. At the 2021 Melbourne Half and 2.57 at the 2019 Melbourne Marathon after missing the start by 15 minutes. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that story. Um, yeah, so Seb, he runs with us sometimes. I haven't seen him for a while, actually. I think he commutes to Melbourne, so he's got a pretty busy job and he's got a little girl as well. Um, but he used to play footy for Anglesey. I don't know if he played with Jules. He played with Jose, um when we used to play footy and netball there years ago. So, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, Strava said that, uh, yeah, the race plan went out the window when you missed the start by 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my worst nightmare. I actually have dreams about that. Every race I have a nightmare about that. (laughs) Not good. I'll have to ask him. I want to thank Sam Gibson. He's a uh, run to PB athlete coached by Andy Buchanan. Best 5K time of 16.27 at the Albert Park Park Run, 34.08 at the 2023 Run Melbourne 10K, 77 minutes at the 2022 Run Melbourne Half Marathon, and uh, took, what, 12 minutes off his uh, marathon PB when he went from 2.49 down to 2.37 at last year's Melbourne Marathon. He's a trader as well, Zachary was telling me. Yeah, yeah, we pulled up his sign-up sheet today from Runner PV, actually, and Andy's done a good job with this guy. So good work, Andy. Good work, Sam. Thank you to all, pa- all our Patreon supporters for support of the Inside Run Podcast. If you like what we do, patreon.com forward slash Inside Run Podcast. Um, podcast, free to listen to, not free to make. So thanks to the uh, people who support us over there on Patreon and keep us alive each and every week. Okay, this week on the Inside Running Podcast, we have a very special question and answer with Andy Blow, who is Precision Fuel and Hydration uh, co-founder and CEO, also a sports scientist with a degree in sports and exercise science from the University of Bath and an expert in sweat, dehydration and cramping. Andy, welcome to the Inside Running Podcast. Good to be on here, folks. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, join us all the way from uh, the UK, your morning, our evening. So we might be a bit more peppy than you are at the moment. I think you're having a morning coffee, we're having a couple of beers. Um, firstly, a massive thanks for partnering with the podcast the last few weeks. Crokes and I have been um, testing the product uh, thoroughly, I'd say, over the last five or six weeks. So that's a partnership we're really um, thankful of. And um, you must be kind of stoked with how Precision Fuel and Hydration's, I guess, evolved and like come on over the last kind of two or three years. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, we've the the thing people have been saying to me in the last last eighteen months, two years is like suddenly the brands everywhere are hearing about it all the time. They're seeing it, and uh, I think it's like one of those stories when someone suddenly comes through and runs a great marathon or something like that. We've been hammering away at this for twelve years now, so we've been putting the we've been putting the miles in, and it feels like we're just coming into a bit of form. You know, we we sort of we've earned our stripes, so it's a nice it's a nice feeling. And Australia's been fantastic for us. We've we've always had a bit of a foothold down there, just because of the I guess because we started with hydration and the the temperatures you guys often have to train with, especially in the summer. And the humidity made it suitable for that. But yeah, it's um it's really you know it's been a, a fantastic place for us to to do some business, and we 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 love coming out there as well to kind of get involved. We've got a warehouse on the Gold Coast, and uh, yeah great market for us 
Yeah, because initially, was it just hydration to start off with? Like when I first heard about it, I swear like there weren't gels and stuff. But over the last couple of years, especially with the, um, I guess, a two-part question, like your concentration of gels, how they were like heavier in carbs, was probably the first time it came onto my radar that I'm like, oh, this is this is 30, whereas everything else was kind of like 23 to 25. And it's just like it's just yeah. one less gel you kind of got to carry throughout a race in a way. Yeah, so we started out with hydration because that was the problems I had as an athlete, basically. I was living in the UK, wasn't exposed to hot temperatures all that much, and I would race pretty well in in the cold. And then I would go into the heat and humidity and fall apart in really long races. It took years to figure out. It was about salt loss for me because I lose a lot of sweat. I lose a lot of electrolytes. Like If I went to race in Oz or I raced in Thailand, I raced in Hawaii at the Ironman and just fell apart and once I learned though to get the right amount of salts, the right amount of fluids back in, it was a game changer. And so that's what that's what led to the development of the business. But and we stuck to hydration for years because you kind of we became really focused on that. We wanted to grow the business slowly and organically, and you can't invest in tons of product lines when you do it like that. But what it was was two things came together which got us into the fueling space. One was customers for years have been saying to us what do i have with these hydration products you know what fueling do i need so we were often recommending gels that were made by people who are effectively competitors of ours so it was it was kind of on our radar that we had to do something about that and then covid hit and we had to stop getting on airplanes and going around the world distracting ourselves with trips to do x y and z and and actually knuckle down and you know get in the kitchen and make a gel and we did it and and like you've said, loads of people, I think, have found us through that because quite a few people need a hydration product, but pretty much everyone who does an endurance sport needs a gel or a chew or a, a carb product. So it's kind of opened up our addressable market and people are now coming in and finding us through the fuel, which is fantastic. Hey, on the um, we tried to have this conversation last week when we were talking about some of the product, but how do you best describe the flavouring of the gel? We did a terrible job of it because we're like, it's kind of like natural and it's like, it's sweet, sweet. but not it's too sweet. sweet but it doesn't but... really have like a flavour as such. Yeah, and that's exactly it. So the story there, I'll tell you the simple story is, um, Mel, who is in our, she actually is in our athlete support department, but Mel is like an extreme baker and cook and when we were making the gel we knew what we wanted it to, we knew what the characteristics of it were we wanted and so we kind of described it to Mel and we're like can you can we make something like that with you and she's like yeah yeah so we went through these iterations we made this and we said we'll start with like the base gel and then we'll start adding flavors so we so we make she makes a bunch of gel and we're getting happy with the consistency and stuff we start adding flavors and then in the lineup for taste testing she's got all of the flavors and just like the base gel. And so we try the base gel and all the flavors and everyone's like, hmm, someone was brave enough to say, I actually prefer the just the gel on its own, but no flavor in it. And, that's, and everyone's like, well, that's easy then. You don't have to put any flavor in it. And, and that's how it was because it's a bit like with our drink. The drinks that we make do have a very mild flavor, but my MO for making them was always like, I'm going to be able to drink liters and liters of this in a hot, humid environment from a, from a crappy plastic water bottle that's too warm and you know it's got to be so neutral because when things get warm like the flavors just get out of kilter and you guys know what it's like on a three-hour run four-hour run you 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 don't need something which is like a pungent or a really sweet flavor you just want something you can smash loads and loads of it so 
I think it's just neutral, natural, unflavoured. I get people swear blind. They can taste honey in it, banana, figs, all sorts of stuff. But that's purely in the head. It's like there's no flavour in the gel. Yeah, okay. And it, will you design like a nut, like will there be a flavour to complement it? Like in the future? We've, we've, we've definitely toyed with that. We've, yeah. um, so again, it's that, it's that kind of, it's, it's that sort of story for us around like steady growth. Loads of gel companies come out and they bring like six flavours out. Mm-hmm. And I know that that will mean that there's four of them that don't sell very well and two that do. But you've, you, you make your whole supply chain more inefficient. You kind of, you're always stocking out the flavours that everyone wants and you're putting money into flavours that people don't want. And um, we're, we're not necessarily like an operationally led business, but we try and take those things into a consideration because we'd rather like get this gel right, get, get it out there, get people on board with it. The most important thing about a gel, in my opinion, is it's the right consistency and it's got the right amount of carbs in it. You know, it's a functional product. This is not this is not something that is going to win a culinary award. You know, you just got to get it right. So what we have done with our chew product, which goes on. So we've got like an original chew, which has no flavor because we followed the same concept there. But then we've done one which has got mint and lemon and that's gone down a storm. So there is a sort of feeling that we might we might look at where we've even talked about mint gel or, um, you know, something that's a little bit different, but complementary to it. Um, and I think in time, I would I would not say never, but it's not in the immediate horizon. We've got other things to, to work on for the time being. Yeah. Crooks, I haven't told you this story, but our other co-host, Andy, he, um, we did a workout together on Wednesday and then he pulled out his bag of the chews and about five or six people all having a go out of the bag. And it was like, they reckon it was like Turkish delight texture. And they're all like, oh, I've tried heaps of these other ones and they've been shit. But like this product, actually, you could swallow it kind of thing. Like it was... Um, yeah, they were raving about it. So that was That's a, bit a good, of a... good good comparison, Brady. Yeah, yeah. You get I that? can get that sort of te- yeah, that yeah. texture. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it was good. Um, Andy, is there like probably hard be like picking your favourite kid, but is there one line in the product that's like one of your favourite, like something you're really proud of that you've come out with? Um, the gel is definitely we're we're really happy with the gel. I've got to say, like it, it's we always said if if we put a, a, a new product into the market. I've got to want to, it's got to be the thing that I would pick over everything else to put in my, in my pockets when I go for a run or a ride. And the gel, we're there with the gel. That's it. Hands down is what we've got. I think though the, the product that surprised me most was we, we made um, a drink mix, which has got a, quite a lot of electrolytes, thousands of milligrams of sodium a litre and 60 grams of carbs a litre. It's called, uh, it's just called carbon electrolyte mix. And that one, I've never, typically not been a fan of like these blended products in the past where it's all in one bottle i think there's there's only certain times when you can use them effectively but since i've changed my training the last you know the last few years when a lot of my training sessions are shorter and i just want something in a bottle that's become my favorite and i really do i really like the flavor it's like i think we've got it spot on there's a very slight amount of saltiness with it like really subtle but and it's not too sweet so that's probably my favorite one yeah just on like a selfish question for me because I'm always talking about the uh, 90 gram gel. Who come up with that idea, like the concept of trying to get that many grams into a gel that you can still carry, like it's not ridiculously big? Yeah, we was that, I think that was um, a combination of looking at reusable packaging and then the guys were looking at, um, with our supplier, they were looking at baby food pouches and yeah. those kind of things. And then the idea came together. It's like, why don't we just fill one of these with gel? You know, let's do a, let's do a big gel. 
because at the moment, you know, we've been, there's been this kind of, since I've been involved in sports science, which is probably since the late 1990s, like carbohydrates were very in fashion then. It was like athletes should eat carbs. And then we went through this massive phase of moving towards fat, fat, fat adaptation, keto diets and all this kind of stuff. And then obviously carbs have come back into the, the mainstream. And it seemed like the right time because people want to carry more carbs. People are trying to increase what they take an hour. That it seemed like the right time to give people an option because we were just like, well, why would I want to take three gels out for an hour? Like mm-hmm. I did, a, I did a race, I did a half a trail half marathon the other week, and all I did was I put one of the ninety gram gel pouches in this. I've got like running shorts with a side mesh pocket, you know, on the yeah. on the thigh. Whacked one of those in there with a bite valve on it, so I don't have to take the lid off, and then. It's the perfect solution because I probably don't eat it all in a half marathon, but I just want a few sips on that. And it's so easy. And you don't even have to worry about tearing the top off or trying to squeeze the gel out. You just, you just go. It's, it's really efficient. Yeah, super convenient. Like it's just, yeah, you get so much from such a little pouch. Hey, we've got some um, listener questions here. We've got a, uh, yeah, a few listeners have sent ones in and I reckon some of them will probably touch on that science and stuff as well. So the first one here comes from Sheedon. Um, can gels save you after hitting the wall or is it all like, do you need to be proactive in trying to fuel before actually hitting the wall? I reckon, yeah, I had to think about that one because I reckon it depends on the context in an ultra. Yeah, they can. Mm. You know, if you, if you blow, you've got time to slow down. It's not ideal, but you can slow down. You can take calories on and you can kind of dig yourself out of a hole. If you, if your stomach is still okay, you can still absorb stuff. You can get yourself moving again i think anyone who's done an ultra will have had that experience at some point where you were kind of at death's door and then either you know what you eat and drink can bring you back in a marathon that kind of thing i'd say unlikely because a gel is going to take you know 10 15 minutes to really get into your system all that time you're slowing down you're feeling like crap you you certainly your kind of goal time is slipping away at that point i would say so getting in front of it is clearly always better um but if you do recognise that it's, it's sort of low blood sugar and running out of fuel that's hitting you, then then clearly getting onto the gels or the, the drink or even just the classic, you know, flat coke or something like that to get your sugar levels up again. You just got to accept it's going to take a bit of time. To kick in, yep. And there was a lot of questions around like people want to know their number, which is really good with the the calculator, like the planner on the website, which we spoke about last night. We'll make, uh, last week we'll put in the show notes again. But like is there a general rule and i know it's hard when we're talking about individuals but has the science changed recently where people are trying to have or get recommended more carbs per hour that they're trying to hit than maybe five or ten years ago yeah with for ultras definitely you know we're seeing people smashing well over 100 grams an hour if they're moving fast in ultras um we've got guys hitting 120 grams an hour i mean and to be clear that's not everyone this is people that are at the very yeah. very pointy end of very long races and they train to do that and it's not universal we're working with a couple of athletes that are sponsored by um nike over in america they're right at the front end of western states and all these big races one of them is doing well over 100 grams now the other one's still ticking along at like 70 or 80 at the moment and doing really well so it's not universal but like more carbs per hour the faster you're going the longer you're going is dead true marathon which i guess is what you guys are interested yeah. in at the moment and which is a big popular thing is is sort of yeah i reckon for sure the recommendations are higher than they used to be mm. but 
I think that you're in a game of diminishing returns, trying to take more and more and more. You know, the most, if you said to me, Andy, what would you rather stand on a marathon start line, like fully carb loaded and fueled from the days before, but no, you're not going to be able to eat anything or go into it like a little bit under prepped, but have loads of gels on the course. I'd take the former over the latter every time. Mm. Like I, I think marathon nutrition has a huge component of turning up on the start line optimally fueled optimally hydrated because we know that back in the old school days ron hill was running two nine or whatever it was on zero mm. you know, zero intake yeah so it's it, and and to be clear i'm not advocating that zero intake is good or anything like it but fit it, if you're fit enough and carb loaded enough you can do a marathon with very little um i would say for marathon the sort of very if you want to i don't like generic recommendations but something in the region of 60 grams an hour is going to suit a lot of people yeah and i think you'd adjust that upwards if you're a bit if you're a bit bigger and faster and if you're or not just bigger and faster but faster if you're if you are smaller and certainly if you're running a bit slower you might adjust that down a little bit but but, you know a couple of gels an hour for the marathon is a sensible place for most people to start yeah what about a lot of our listeners? Brad and I are kind of lucky that when we go to races, we have access to the um, like the elite or sub elite drink tables and stuff. But a lot of our listeners don't have that. So Lionel has a question: like, without access to bottles on a marathon course, what's a good hydration strategy when I'm in the marathon? Yeah, we get asked this one a lot. I would say it depends massively on your sweat rate and the temperature mm-hmm. because you know let's let's take like you're you guys are doing a soccer aren't you which i think is going to be what single digit celsius should be optimal yeah. yeah be optimal running like you're not going to need a lot of fluid in that i'd imagine unless you're planning to get most of your carbs through fluid which is a different conversation but even then you're going to make your carb drinks more concentrated because you don't want to drink the high volume and in which case i'd be saying to people that just carry some gels with you however many you need because at the, at the end of the day if you're out there for three hours you, you might need six gels you know or two of our sort of you know two of our 90 gram gels something like that and then pick up water from the tables course, yeah. you know just and just drink that as as you need it or or even a splash of sports drink or whatever but if you started hydrated and you're running in cold or cool conditions and you're not an epic sweater then hydration in the marathon is you want to have a plan but you don't need to you're not going to need to be smashing liters and liters of fluid that's completely different story if you're running in you know like at the tokyo we saw at the tokyo olympics you know summer marathon it's like i don't know what the temperature was but it was hot and humid and malcolm hicks we've actually got a case study in our case study database on the website malcolm hicks drank 1.1 liters per hour in that race Mm -hmm. now he will have had access to um, he ran 223 so he's an elite guy but he, he will have had access to tables to get those drinks. But if someone needed to drink that much, if someone was going to do a Honolulu marathon or something, then it's, it's going to be super hot. I would be saying to them, think about the trade-off here, about whether you carry a bottle bell or a mm. camelback or something. Yeah, you're carrying extra weight, but you get to the point where actually is that more beneficial because you're not having to fight your way through the, the drink stations. And you're not rushing it because you know what gulping down out of cups or bottles is like. You get a load of air, can give you a bad stomach. I would say sometimes it's better. You're better off taking the, the penalty of carrying a kilo of fluid, and then you know augmenting that with a little bit that you pick up or something. So it's that it's it's a trade-off really. Mm-hmm. 
marathon marathon is the tipping point as well ultras it's almost always worth carrying your own fluids half marathon i would say it's virtually never worth carrying your own fluids marathon is that gray area bit where it's all right if it's if it's hot and humid think about sorting yourself out yeah and andy Andy, how much does weight affect how much fuel you need both from obviously fluids but also like you know grams per hour i would say probably not as much as you think it would but it does a bit the science indicates the science has been done mostly on people who weigh like guys that weigh 65 to 80 kilos so there's a lot of data on that sort of thing there's not a lot of data on people that weigh 120 kilos or 45 kilos and you've got to think that apart from anything else just simple common sense tells you that someone who's 100 kilos running a marathon is going to burn more fuel than someone who's 45 the difference being that the 100 kilo person is going to have more glycogen on board and everything because they're bigger and they've got more muscle mass so we generally recommend that you know, if you take that 60 gram an hour recommendation, you, you would definitely scale it up for someone who's significantly bigger, unless they're moving really, really slowly. And you'd scale it maybe down a little bit for someone who's smaller. And it's that, that doesn't sound too exact, but I think it's just because it's such in, inter-individual difference. And, and this, the intensity that you're running at makes such a difference. Because obviously, the, the slower you're running, the more you can burn a bit of fat, the more you're going to preserve your glycogen. So yeah you've got to you've got to play those things but in general the the people who are going to most have to fuel the most aggressively in a marathon are the biggest the, the, the guys who are big are very fit so they can hold a high intensity yeah is there any um i always struggle with this i'm like how much to hydrate before a race and that that battle between you don't want to have to go to the toilet when you're 10k into a marathon but at the same time you want to kind of get some hydration happening so you can you know especially we have um the gold coast marathon here it's one of the popular ones and for where we live down in um the southern states it's it's often a lot warmer than what we're used to so you're always thinking more about the hydration when you go up and race at the gold coast but yeah any tips or any science around like how much you should be hydrating in the day leading up or on that you know this is a six o'clock a.m race start as well so like how how many hours before a race should you be starting to tip it in and like i guess the electrolyte um tablets and stuff as well would be perfect for that yeah i mean i think pre-race hydration especially when you go to a hot race is a is a massive psychological issue for athletes mm-hmm. because we all we all know that you can carb load in the days before like you, your carbohydrate stores can be building two three four days out from the race and you, the more within reason the more you get in the more you stock up and carb loading properly takes quite an aggressive approach and works it's just proven hydration doesn't follow the same pattern at all because you can only have a certain amount of water in your body before your kidneys start to make you pee more so what I see before races, and I used to be guilty of this myself, is like days before a big race, I suddenly hydration becomes a mega priority yeah. for me. And I've got I, the big water bottle comes out. I'm always sipping on it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my pee every time I go to the toilet. Is it clear? Am I peeing enough? You know, you kind of panic if it goes, if you urine yellow. And you need to like de-stress all of that because your hydration status, yeah, you can't, you don't want to go into a race like, definitely don't want to go in dehydrated but if you drink pretty normally and i would say then as an insurance policy have a little bit of extra water what i mean by that is with your meals have an extra glass of water in the last couple of days 
rain back on the alcohol and caffeine which you might be doing anyway which is going to be diuretics that will push more fluid out and, and, and obviously tune it to the environment like if i'm in kona two days before the race i'm drinking a lot more anyway just because it's hot and humid but you don't want to you don't want to be over drinking and peeing six seven eight times a day loads of volume because then you're you're actually doing yourself an injustice and you're flushing electrolytes out and you're you're rinsing too much fluid through the body the, the best thing then in the last 24 hours is the night before it was an early start and also about an hour before the race i would have something like about half a litre if you're a big guy maybe 700 milliliters of a very very strong electrolyte drink with lots of sodium in it so the strongest one we make is fifth ph 1500 which has 1500 milligrams a litre and when you take on a strong electrolyte drink like that your the sodium in the drink gets pulled into the bloodstream it pulls more water in with it and you get what's called plasma volume expansion which is just a fancy way of saying that you your blood volume increases and you can measure that. And we're actually working with a, a PhD student at University of Bedfordshire who's studying pre-exercise hydration at the moment. And it's fascinating how much more you can see the blood volume expand when you use a lot of sodium in a drink. So you just have a bottle of that the night before, and then you have a bottle of it with your breakfast or as the, in the so you finish it about you know 45 minutes, an hour before the start. That helps you absorb that fluid, hold on to it, boost your blood volume, but you're not then needing to pee and pee and pee. So, and that's a, that's a technique you can practice before some of your long build-up runs so you can get the volumes and the timing right for you as an individual. Yeah. And you, I had a question on your products. So the electrolyte capsules versus the dissolvable tablets, like when would you use one over the other? I'd always use the tablets when I had the option. The, the capsules are for carrying when you're on the move. So um, in a marathon, in an ultra or whatever, you, you might not want to stop and plop tablets into water. Or the, the reason I say that is because if you mix them correctly into the right volume of water, you know you're getting the right ratio the whole time. Whereas with salt tablets, a lot of people don't think about the ratio. They might, they might think I'm going to take three salt tablets an hour. But if they're dr if not drinking very much, that could be a really, really strong concentration of salts that they're getting in their stomach can make you feel quite sick or you might over drink and dilute them down so where possible I tend to dilute them together the only other exception to that is that some people just prefer drinking plain water and if they do then taking the right amount of capsules with water is an option if you don't want to flavor drink andy final one from me and we can cut this if the answers doesn't um doesn't fit but is precision going to be at a stage somewhere soon where we see it as a uh, race nutrition partner and you can pick up gels or have drinks on course or the mix of anything like that? Is that kind of in the in the highlights for the future? We've definitely done that with a number of races already, but probably like mid-sized races yeah, okay. or a bit, bit more in triathlon than yep. anything else because that was – honestly that's because that was the sport we lent into first of all that was my background and so there was a natural sort of leaning towards getting involved with events in that sport we we are actually really close to hopefully doing a deal to be the supplier of gels to a massive really big ultra famous ultra marathon in the us at the moment which is which the race organizers have actually approached us out of the blue because their their partner in that area is kind of pulling out and they, they asked the competitors what they wanted and they said us. So we're sort of talking to them about that at the moment. So I think I think you will see that. I think the challenge for us is although we're a, a decent sized company growing now, we're not, a lot of these 
if you want to sponsor a major marathon, for example, the volume of product that you've got to put out, mm. of course, is insane. And, you know, if you look at the, the brands that people know that have sponsored marathons, Gatorade, people like that, they're, they're owned by PepsiCo. Yeah. So they can afford to put tens of thousands of litres of product out free of charge and whatever and probably pay rights on top of that we're we're at a point where you know i'd be saying to people for a marathon you know yeah you could rely on what's out there but actually from our perspective and from theirs buy your four or six gels that you need carry them with you and pick up water you know that's the that's the way to do it but never say never you know we'd love to hear from races or organizers or whatever that that looking for some support they've just got to understand that we're not a we're not backed by a big food or pharma company and we can't just, you know, give you 57 inflatable arches and yeah. a million cups. Yeah. 120,000 gels. Yeah. Chris, got any more questions for Andy before we let him go? Yeah, I've got one more and we often talk about it on the podcast. So I know when I was running my best marathons back in like 2018, I went through a period where I was doing a lot of like, um, depleted training, like glycogen depleted, like, you know, mainly on easy runs, not for sessions. And then I read a um, Trent Stellingworth study where there was like three marathoners where they did some like, you know, glycogen depletion during training. Um, but it was probably the first time that opened my eyes to how much carbs they were taking on during the race. And that was like, you know, 50 to 77 grams and a lot of liquid. Um, and I feel like that was probably the turning point where people realize, okay, we need to start taking more carbs on during a marathon. With your sports science background, do you think there's still a place for glycogen depletion in training to metabolize fats and, and then still, I guess, compensate on race day by, by taking more? It's a, really, it's a really good question. And I'll, I'll first of all, I'll say, I think you've highlighted Trent Stellingworth, and I think his research is is fantastic in this area he always manages to blend the science with the reality you know because he works with elite athletes and, and speaks a lot of common sense um i i think so when i was racing the attitude was very much so train a bit depleted carb up on race day a bit more but not even that aggressively actually and your body will be more efficient and honestly when i look back i think that that never played out well for me um, I think that it. I think that people can do it, but I'm not sure that the theoretical gains are worth the massive risks of underfueling, getting ill, not optimizing your training. You know, I I feel way. I did an interval session on Saturday um, where I was doing some up, uphill kilometer reps because I'm training for a like a trail a trail race, and it's only like an hour and ten, but but I still had a gel in the middle of the session because I know that. It helps me knock out the last one or two reps just a little bit better and I recover faster. So I think there's very, very rarely is there a case for it, for well-trained runners who are running hard and frequently to do fasted training. I think fasted training or fasted exercise for people who are obese, unfit, metabolically challenging, that's a whole different topic. And there may well be some really good applications for teaching the body to burn a bit more fat or, or become less reliant on sugar for for moderating but honestly nowadays we we just don't recommend the athletes that we work with particularly go down that route i think it's i think the risk to reward ratio is too far in the in the side of risk 
It's funny you mention that because I think I mentioned on last week's show that I saw a clip with um, the on group over in Boulder, like Morgan McDonald. Those guys, like they're not even marathoners, you know, they're 5K runners, but they were actually fueling during like a treadmill session. Um, so yeah. like what what is, like has there been more research done since that trend? Because I think that one was like 2012. Yeah, I think just generally the research is pointing in, in the direction of obviously if you can, the trade-off is if you can minimise glycogen depletion is one of the big fatigue factors with people who are training frequently, especially if you're training twice a day. And if those guys, those guys will have run, they'll probably be bashing out an interval session on a lot of days plus a tempo run or a long steady run or whatever. So that, let's say they're doing that interval session one morning in the afternoon if they're bashing out ten miles steady, the amount of pressure that puts on like cycling through their glycogen stores is really high. So I would imagine that that energy drink or those gels or whatever are actually kind of designed to get them to the start of that 10 mile run in better shape rather than a short-term ergogenic effect and that's certainly what i felt and i i learned this you know inadvertently just by when i became a dad and you go out for your run on saturday morning you can't come home and be in the bin and lie on the couch yeah you know (laughs) you got you you're you're like building lego or going to a football game or in so you got to fuel. So I'm like taking a gel in the last 15 minutes of my long run because it's like for the rest of the day, not just, yeah. um, not not just for that session. So I think I think they're probably if you dig, there's probably a little bit more science emerging on that. But I just think that the the trend plus there's this there's this been you guys will know this the historical precedent for marathon running and distance running and eating disorders and body dysmorphia and all those kind of things is strong. And I think there's a there's a natural push in the other direction now to say actually like let's let's fuel let's teach people let's let's make fueling like a positive thing rather than this kind of because athletes are tough generally athletes are tough people they will restrict or do hard things that that feel horrible because they believe it's kind of like a stoic thing that you believe it will make you better you know like oh i felt like death at the end of that long run but that'll make me stronger it's like well survived doesn't need to be like doesn't, doesn't need to be like that all the time. Yeah, occasionally you got to push yourself really, really hard, but mm. but I don't think it needs to be artificially induced by running on fumes. I think that's a bad idea. Yep. Yeah, mate, that's been great. I've learned heaps yeah. over the last, no. and it feels like the whole yeah, as you said, the whole conversation's just changed about the way we speak about it, and um, yeah, because it was like what you could get away with in the past was all you go out and do a two-hour long run. It's like I don't need a gel; I can run two hours at you know four minutes a k pace, and and that's easy. But now it's like no, but yeah, top up while you're going. It's going to help you for your workout yeah. in two days' time. Like, um, yeah, it must be exciting working in this industry um, and seeing how much it changes, and then yeah, what the future kind of holds. Oh yeah, I reckon for me, I'm 45 now, and I'm I wish like a lot of athletes would say this, but. I wish, not only I wish I had a pair of alpha flies 20 years ago, but I wish I had as many gels as I do now and, and that sort of thing because I think I'd have made a lot, I'd have screwed things yeah. up a lot mm. less and I'm actually getting interested in, you know, going back and doing some of the old races that I used to do and I know that at 45 my performance is, whatever happens, it's never going to meet mm. where it was at 25 when I was at my fittest but I reckon with, you know, like I'm way better at pacing now, I train a bit more consistently and sensibly because I don't feel the need to kick the, the ass out of every session I know what I'm doing about fueling and hydration it's like all of those things you add them together and actually you start to close the gap a little bit mm, yeah. and that's quite yeah. that's quite intriguing I I even 
I probably won't do this, but I even catch myself thinking I might go back and run a marathon and see what I can do at 45 because I never really, I did a lot of marathons in Ironman and I did some others, but I never really felt like, I never did a, a, a straight up, you know, decent marathon. So I could probably set a marathon PB. And I'm like, well, and, and I think a lot of that is just that intrigue about getting all the fueling and hydration is a huge part of it, but, but it's one of those like massive building blocks that, everyone thinks purely about training you know it's just mm. like do the do the miles but all those are the little nuanced things around it if you can get all of those right it, it all helps mm. you execute on the day what was your fastest time off the bike i reckon we've got to hold you to this get you on a start line somewhere <laughs> oh, and yeah, see what no, you can so run so my fastest time off the bike's like three just over three i think it was either three oh, three smashed that. Five, you pretty like fit. That. so um, well i'm gonna try i might have a go so we'll see. Craig's a similar no, age I'm, to I'm you. A, you two should have a challenge. Yeah, I'm 44 yeah. in uh, in August. Well, what are you going for then this year? What's your time? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Got to get the okay from my cardiologist. Yeah, that, that's another story. <laughs> he's, had, he's had some heart issues, oh, Bradley. Yeah. But he ran, well, you ran 217 as a 40 year old, didn't you? I was 37 when I ran 217. I ran 223 Amazing. at 40, 41. And 42. Yeah. yeah. So we'll That's set up a big head-to-head, -head. Andy versus Crokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fly, well, fly her out to Sydney yeah, Marathon. Give me, give me, give me four or five k head start. And, you know, <laughs> I might. Really, I don't think I'll be running in the two twenties, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, it is intriguing though, isn't it? And it's it, running is one of those things where actually, if you can hold your joints together and that sort of thing, you know, you do gain a lot. I think mm -hmm. from what goes in on on up here, you know, in in terms of learning how to how the races play out and stuff it's yeah it's true like because we're similar age like my first marathon like i took two gels with me and a couple of like snake lollies like that's that's yeah. all i had for the whole marathon like obviously it didn't go very yeah. well same yeah i was um, wondering why i was in, yeah, yeah. in a world of pain at 30k yeah. <laughs> whereas then like four years so i was like 33 then 37 so it should be slowing down but then i'm hitting like 70 grams of carbs per hour and like never hit the wall at all felt amazing the whole run yeah, yeah. so it's definitely yeah, it's yeah. definitely changed like even talking to the old guys it's like yeah we used to take a bit of a little bit of sports drink maybe some flat coke in the last 5k um so it's yeah, certainly yeah. changed and yeah for the better yeah it's good yeah, everyone's it's just good. open to the conversations now i feel like it's just a number it's like what are your pbs but also well, how many grams do you do per hour <laughs> in a marathon like well, that's, yeah that's that's fully that's fully our, our mo is like we put the numbers on the front of the packets of the products and we publish the numbers in mm. our case studies database and i mean maybe brady we could do a case study on your osaka marathon and get the numbers out there because then then other people can learn from it as well yeah. all we need is a record of what you ate and drank in the race and we can crunch all the numbers for you yeah that'd be good that'd be interesting we'll tee something up for sure Oh, Andy, it's been great. It's been great talking to someone. And um, yep. obviously that wasn't like super salesy. Like it was all like uh, our listeners are going to love that. Like I think it was just real life stuff and it's what people are doing in their training and their um and their race preparation as well. So we really appreciate you taking some time out for us on your uh, Monday morning and, no. yeah, supporting the show. Yeah, no, thanks for giving us a chance to do it. We're um, with it, it, the numbers are looking good from our side. What, what I spoke to Dave, our marketing guy, and he reckons that you know we're getting a lot of people mentioning the podcast. Mm -hmm. We had we've had some since you guys have been banging on about it. I've had Aussie mates that are like, "Oh, did you hear about? Yeah, these guys are talking about your stuff on the show." Mm -hmm. And you know, so it definitely you guys have you know you have a good deep audience. So 
we we're just keen to we're keen to pursue it. So yeah, if we can help with anything, let us know, and we're we're keen to stay involved. Beautiful. Mate. Actually, before you, before you go, I've just got one more question. Just about yep. we haven't really touched yep. on cramp on cramping, and that's sort of like oh, yeah. I guess your expertise. Um, and like personally, I've never suffered from it, but I know there's a lot of people out there, even people that I coach, that's like. I run really well over every other dis- every distance other than the marathon, and I just cannot get on top of cramps. Is is it is there anything you can do other than taking on electrolytes to help with cramping? Yeah, that that's the number. So when we started in the hydration space, like cramping was the number one question for sure. And I I suffered with cramping badly when I was racing, and still still have a tendency to have cramps if I'm not on top of it. But you know. There's a there's loads of disagreement. Is it neuromuscular fatigue? Is it dehydration? Is it electrolyte imbalance? And I think the reality is there's a model being put together by um, a researcher in Texas, Kevin Miller, looking at this kind of multifactorial way that cramps can be diagnosed and, and prevented or treated. And that's the closest we've got at the moment. Is that essentially cramping is a, is a recipe that is different for everyone and electrolyte imbalance is potentially a big component of it um, dehydration is potentially a component of it but fatigue muscle damage those kind of things are also potentially components of it there's a what what there isn't where there is in say the neuromuscular fatigue side of things you can study that in a lab a bit more easily than you can electrolyte imbalance because getting ethics approval and pushing people to the point when they just cramp it's very unpredictable and it's also you couldn't you couldn't write an ethics application to say well, this is what we're going to do to people because you're, you're talking about injuring people mm. so it hasn't been brilliantly studied and it always remarked i don't know where this famous quote comes from but there's this like fam- famous quote around um when you're kind of when you've got anecdote and data that disagree like check your data but in the scientific world that's frowned upon because often people will go well where's your peer-reviewed studies where's your data it's like well it's not really there around electrolyte imbalance and cramping but we as a company are at the coalface with that working with thousands of athletes and we get we literally get tens of emails a week from people who have, have read our blog on cramping followed the hydration protocols properly using stronger electrolytes and their cramping has gone away and you could say i'm sitting here like I'm a bloke who sells electrolytes. So automatically I can understand why a load of people then immediately switch off and go, this, this guy, he's just trying to sell more stuff. And it's like, well, you could take that view, but trust me, I got into this like, because this was my problem and I found a solution to my problem. And I'm now trying to help other people with that and having a degree of success with it. And I, I totally appreciate I've got a dog in the fight. I've got my own biases, but at the same time, trying trying following the electrolyte balance protocols that we suggest to get on top of cramping is incredibly cheap it's very safe and it's potentially very effective for a lot of people so it's kind of like well give it a go if you're someone who's having races and training like derailed by cramping like read the blog that's on our website it lays it all out in that give it a go and maybe hopefully you're one of those people that email us six weeks later and go this has changed my change my racing life you know mm. it might not be you're not it's not for everyone and i reckon it's probably based on our data 70 percent of people it has a, a positive impact with but it's got to be worth giving it a go in my opinion good, good one, folks 
Thanks, Andy. We're going to start recording there. And cool. um, yeah, really appreciate your time. Running news croaks. You were pretty, getting pretty excited about this, the ACT track and field champs. Yeah, I was. And um, look, I went out both Friday night and Saturday night just to watch the the distance stuff. So the 800 and the 1500. And like over the years, ACT track and field champs can be real hit and miss. Like some years, you're lucky to have two heats of the 800 and two heats of the 1500. But this was like, you know, you look at pretty much every event from the 100 through to the 15. And there was some some big hitters there. Like, you know, Tory Lewis broke the Australian record in the 100. Um, we had Bendiria Boyer there running 400s. Cat Bissett ran a 400. Um, like Nicola McDermott um, equaled the Australian record in the high jump. So it was like it was a quality meet. Um, and so, yeah, men's 800 on the Friday night. Peyton Craig, remember him, Brady, from the uh, De Costella 3K? Yeah, I do. Yeah, when I saw yeah. his name pop up, I had to like make the, connect the dots, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that kid. He is a star. This guy came from a triathlon background. Ran 145.77, which, you know, traditionally triathletes are more slow twitch. That was an uh, Australian under-20 record. Uh, so he beat, beat Jack Lunn, 146.25, and Cam Myers was 30, 147.11. Uh, in the women's, it was a on 1-2. Uh, Imogen Barrett got the win in 202. Tess Kersop-Cole was second in 203. And Jayla Hancock-Cameron was third in 205. Um, so that was Friday night, and then I went back out on the Saturday night. Um, Cam Myers paced his uh, training partner, Connor Whiteley, for like 1,100. Uh, Connor went on to get the win, uh, running 340. Ben Thomas was second, uh, 341. And Joseph Deng, uh, I believe, was a PB in 343. Uh, Imogen Barrett got the double. She won the women's 15 in 422. Jayla Hancock Cameron was second in 422. And Rachel McCormick was third in 4:27. The women's 1500 started off like at a walk. Like the, the 10k walk that was on that morning would have probably gone through 300 faster. They like ran the first hundred, and then it was literally like a jog fest until I don't know after 400 meters they started to get rolling a little bit. So anyway, it was a really really good meet. Um, and then yeah, my other bit of news here was the University of Washington Invitational. Uh, so Jess Hull went over for a run. She finished second in the 1K behind Nikki Hiltz. Um, yeah, so uh, Jess ran 234.71, which breaks Zoe Buckman's short track Australian record of 239.47. Uh, and Carly Thomas was also in action. She won the women's 800 metres in two minutes flat 0.95, breaking Shelby Houlihan's meet record. Mm, it's good to see our stars come out for the first hit out, isn't it? Oh, yeah. These names. See, yep. see a few more this weekend as well. I reckon at um, Murakami, some of the distance guys. Mm-hmm. Ali, you got what, some news? When's got some... World in, sorry, when's World Indoors? Uh, I think it's March. Okay. So, it's yeah, it's pretty close to World Cross, I think. It'll I'll be interesting out. to see who out. who opts to do that this year because it's probably a tricky thing, isn't it, with the Olympics, like whether you try, you know, go overseas and try and peak for that or whether you – stay here and do the domestic season and then yeah don't know it'd be interesting to see uh so first yeah first to the third of march so it's not that far away Mm. that's a week after osaka yeah five weeks not that i was i wasn't planning on going to world (laughs) indoors i was just wondering who thinking about doing 1500 or something (laughs) (laughs) definitely not um south australian 5000 meter champs were on so jacob cox got the win in 1406 luke mitchell second 1429 
Fraser Darcy third, 1429.7. And Tiana Setta or Chetta, she was uh, first in the women's 5,000, 1635. Zoe Toland second in 1637. And Elodie DeWitt was third in 1706. But in a different race, is that? Yeah, yeah. So they had it sort of like seed, like just on seed times, and, and had mixed races. So the the race that like Jacob Cox was in was all male, but then the next race had some females, which I'm assuming was like the, it, you know, the top female in that was like the fastest female for the night. Um, yeah. And so the, and there was only two two women that finished in that race, and then uh, Elodie was in the next race um yeah and had like the, they third, the third fastest time i think I, th- I think that's right from the results that i saw um maybe they su- didn't have enough for a women's only yeah race. yeah but i was surprised like you know someone like caitlin didn't have a run um yeah not, not sure yeah i saw caitlin last weekend and she was talking about this but there was there was a reason why she wasn't doing it i think she's doing Murray plant maybe and some of the other races so she was gonna okay. sit that one out yeah, yeah. Um, Osaka Women's Marathon happened yesterday as well. So, yeah, this was quite interesting. Ethiopia's Worknesh Odessa won in a course record of 218.51. So they went through half in 69.46 and then did a negative split for 69.05. And she was ahead of Japan's Hanami Maeda in 218.59. So she broke the Japanese and Asian record, improving on the 219.12 set by 2004 Olympic marathon champion Mizuki Noguchi in the Berlin Marathon in 2005. Mm. Um, So this makes the Japanese Olympic team very interesting because, so Maeda actually, she was in the team for Tokyo, but she at their trials finished sixth or seventh or something. So she, the top two get automatically selected and then the third spot, um, comes down to sort of who runs the fastest and that can be the person that came third in the trials or it can be somebody else. So originally the mark, the third fastest time going in was 2.21 high um, and then she's come out and broken the Japanese record. So now the last race I think is Nagoya. So I was talking to Sinead about this yesterday. So originally they would have been going into Nagoya thinking they had to run faster than 221 high and now it's going to be um yeah they basically have to try and break the japanese record which Sinead's pacing <laughs> so that'll be interesting um but yeah so it makes it a bit uh bit exciting but i think yeah i don't know i think a few people have had a crack at that record over the last few years and no one's been able to get it so mm. impressive run by her good info from you ellie yeah, that's good glad, good I, glad i gave you that one you and Sinead were yeah. that research well, I like because I know some of the Japanese runners because I've done a lot of races over there. I've raced against her quite a few times. So, um, I yeah, I like following what's going on there. They've got so much talent. There can't be too many national records still standing for the marathon since 2005 either. That would have been a long yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Yeah. That's good. Perfectly paced too. That's what we, Is it the same course that we ran on in Osaka? Uh, no, it's different. It, Starts. I actually paced it a few years ago. It starts and finishes in a stadium. Oh yeah, I've yeah. I think footage. there are some similar parts. Like you run down through the main 
um, part of the city. I can't remember what it's called. And like some of the sections are similar, but different. Cause I think we finish and start at the castle, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. No, so this one's a little bit different, but it's one of the big um, women's only races in Japan. Let me take you guys to the indoor track, the BU John Thomas Terrier Classic, which is 5,000 metres. They did two heats, um, but they split them into like almost two even heats, which I thought was weird. Didn't go A and B. I think they named them after different colours. Five people across two of the races were breaking, they broke 13 minutes. But I reckon there was more croaks with the um, their seed times. Like there was like four sub thirteen guys in one race, and then three in the other one. It was really weird the way they seeded it. I could couldn't work it out. Uh, Edwin Kurgat got the win. He ran. Oh no, sorry. These are all the people that broke thirteen minutes. That's Edwin right, Kurgat, yep. George Mills, Adrian Walchard, Nico Young. That was an NCAA record as well. And the Brit Sam Atkin. Um, there are 11 Olympic qualifiers throughout the day. Geordie Beamish, he ran 1304.3, which was a New Zealand record and Olympic qualifier. Um, Morgan McDonald just missed it. So he's got to run 1305. He ran 1307. Kai Robinson ran 1321. So I reckon he'd be a bit disappointed with that because he ran 1306. Or was it 13.05, Croaks, not so long ago? Uh, I think it was 13.06. Just missed the time yep. as well. Andrew Corsgrim was in action as well, the Zadapec winner. He ran 13.12, which I reckon was an Irish indoor. Well, they call it short track now, don't they? Not indoor, which um, you don't want to start calling it short track. Why don't they just leave it as indoor? So, um, yeah, the fast times were happening. And then, yeah, like hopefully Morgan can get that time um, in the next one he does. Uh, the women's 5K, there. this was won by the under-20 cross-country champion, Seniyat Getachew. She got the win um, in a time of 14.42. And Aussie, Lauren Ryan, who won Zadapak, she was ninth. She ran 15.15, which is a new short-track Australian record, breaking Heidi C's time of 15.25. So they can run qualifiers, but the records are separate. Is that correct? Yeah. So they can run. So say that the Olympic qualifying time is 13.05. It doesn't matter if you do it on an indoor or outdoor track. But then, like, Lauren Ryan sets this Australian record of 15.15, whereas Jessica Hull's got it with, is it 14.46? Oh, yeah. So Separate records, but you can still use these to qualify. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there are many indoor records that are faster than outdoor. Mm. You wouldn't think so. No. Like, surely, it, like, it's funny, they all go here to try and knock the qualifiers off because this BU track's obviously really fast, but it doesn't seem like, yeah, very often um, people run faster indoor than they do outdoor. It's probably only that Boston track where I reckon some people's, like, PBs are set on that track, but, like, compared to their outdoor ones. Um, and that's why it'd be interesting to see, like, if Morgan went and ran an eight outdoor 5K next week, whether he'd run... 1307 we'll see how close you get to 1307 because there's something about something about that track like people go there and just run super quick yeah it would have been good for him to get it so he could have just like just had it and just you know he always gets injured and stuff just being like just get the time early don't have to chase races i'd love to do an indoor race like because how many times have you gone to like track races and the weather has just been shit house whereas almost just almost just takes that out of the equation yeah so you get perfect conditions. They always pace good too, these ones. It's just, there's time trials. The only downside is it's so many laps. 
yeah. like so it's always like 25 laps for a um for a 5k some quick, yeah some quick drug news croaks and then we yep. might um jump yep. to the back end of the show before andy's coming in Yep, so the Athletics Integrity Unit has banned Prisha Chesang of Uganda for two years uh, from the 6th of December last year for the presence or use of uh, furosemide, uh, which is a diuretic. So her results from the 14th of September um, have been disqualified, including from the World Road Running Championship. So um, you may have remembered this name because we are chatting about her last year. So she finished seventh at World Cross. So Ellie, you can probably move up a spot. Um, oh, that's actually the second. That's the second person from that World Cross race that's been. Oh, we'll move up two spots. Um, <laughs> Seven eight, Well done. She uh, finished second at the Mori Plant three k, and she won the Run the Bridge race last mm. year. So. Oh um, yeah, right. I yeah, remember so her. She won all the prizes. Yeah. She won. Yeah. She beat the men as well, so she won like. Team or something. Whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, and then the other bit of drug news was the Spanish anti-doping agency uh, banned a, a couple of. Um, guys, including uh, Hamid Ben Dowd, who was the former Spanish marathon record holder, uh, having run 206.35. So, um, yeah, we've pr- probably gone about a month without some drug news. So, yeah, about time, about time we added a little bit in there. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Good. Hopefully, they pop as many people as possible before the Olympics. Mm. Yeah, true. I've got a big one coming, but I can't say it yet. But, but the oh, list, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'll tell which, you. Which country? No, nah, I'll give it away. If I tell okay. you which country, you'll know straight away who's told me. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, I might see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Don't know a, don't Norwegian. Know a, don't know a name yet, but I know <laughs> there's a big fish in one of those in a country that's uh, yeah ready to pop. Uh, listen to question, Croaks. Yeah, let's do a quick and fun one. If you were to go on training camp anywhere in Australia, where would it be? And that comes in from, is that Ewan Smith? So yeah, ninety-eight. You and Smith. Ah, false Creek's the obvious answer, isn't it? Nah, I don't nah. know. Nah, Surf Coast is pretty good down there. Croaks went for forty hour one. Yeah, like Surf I'm... Coast in summer, not winter. Mm. Winter is shit. Summer is great. Yeah, yeah. I think winter winter's an interesting one. I reckon you've got to go <laughs> definitely like north of the country for like a winter training camp um but i don't know like i get when you when you go for a training camp you want to have like no distractions but they're obviously so bored in falls creek at the moment because all i see is just photos of their training or videos of their training but for me i think it would be the south coast but in particular around bateman's bay like mainly because when i'm down there it's like if you want hilly long runs tick they've got so many of them if you want to do flat, fast sessions on, you know, pretty, um, uh, pretty like good roads, not a lot of traffic. Like um, Ellie, like we did a, we did miles down there and Surfside, like nice flat road. Uh, you got that. Uh, you've got places for hilly tempos. Plus, you've just got some stuff to do down there. Like nothing wrong with going to the beach in between training. So that would be, um, yeah, I, I reckon I'd, I'd happily train down there. Mm. yeah i found it so we i didn't like lived out there for six months yeah i didn't like running there i found i found it hard to find places to do long runs but maybe i just didn't know where to go yeah there's a heap there's like three really good options where it's like all all fire fire roads no no road like hardly any traffic and heaps of hills like there's no tracks there's no track 
Yeah, that's a downside. That, that is, yeah, that's a good point. And I used to get abused, but like running on the road, I used to get people throw stuff at me and yell at me. And I found it wasn't a very like, it might be a little bit different now, but seeing as running is actually popular now, but I felt like it wasn't, uh, <laughs> mm. yeah, it was frowned upon to run basically. Like, yeah. Like I compare it though to like, we used to regularly go to Noosa for training camps when I was living in Sydney and like, I, I hate running up there. <laughs> Nah, too hot up there. Can't yeah. get anywhere higher than Sydney. Noosa, when we did a training camp there in winter, and it was good, but it wasn't. Uh, there was a lot of concrete, and it was hard to find good trails. But they have, yeah, like that. If we you had to drive, if you drive out into the hinterland, there's really good places to do long runs and stuff. It was just, mm. yeah. Bendigo's pretty Seth good. Goes. Works for Rose Davies when she wants to yeah. go well. She's about, she's about the only person that's ever used Bendy as a training camp. It's got access to hills, tracks, not bad weather. I don't leave I don't home know. very often, yeah. so it's probably hard for me to answer this. So I don't, pretty much home to Mulligans and back. Hey, you bring up a good point, though, about Falls Creek. This is a note I had down for a bit further about Brady on the loose. Like, is there a rule that you have to take 15 photos every time you go for a run up there? Because all <laughs> I'm seeing on social media is videos, photos, like, it's just incredible, isn't it? Which made me think today, like, where where are you guys at with social media and what you consume? Because I'm feeling it's, like, oversaturated and some people put so much stuff up. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to check that because I know exactly what it is. Whereas then you got some athletes like, say, Sinead Diver, for example, she uploads a story and you almost got to, like, you get calm, you sit down you open it up with like your full attention because it's so rare that she puts something up and you know it's mm. going to be pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. Probably, is your feed just full of runners? Like that's all you have? Oh, inside running one. Yeah. Yeah. Just got, that's oh, all it's got. Okay. Just all runners. Personal one. That's what I'm talking about. No, I don't use Instagram much personal unless for book, okay. book stuff croaks. So I'm probably just like, yeah, annoying well, the people problem, with my book content. I think the problem with falls at the moment is you've got, you've got a couple of like professional sort of videographers or photographers yeah, up there so and they take, and so they take photos and they tag everybody in. And so then all the people that you follow oh, are the ones that have been tagged it. in and they reshare it. Yeah, that's true. So then you're seeing the same photo 10 yep. times. Yep. I actually quite like seeing the photos of people's training camps, though. Well, like um, some of the scenery at Falls is pretty cool yeah, at it, times. It was good when you're you like... You've got to say that, Ellie. You've got too many friends up there. <laughs> no, no, but I actually like... I I enjoy videos and photos of tra- like training in beautiful places i much prefer than like uh i don't know you know can you nothing... overdo it though like well yeah like, when you... you see the same thing 20 times yeah yes don't know if you need photos of like easy runs and stuff maybe i'm just getting old grumpy things getting to me too easy croaks yeah well i guess it's like you know for some of them that's their like place of work so uh yeah if you like you putting up photos of you on yard duty on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's illegal actually to do that when you're on yard duty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to see that. There's no way I'd be doing that. No, but I was thinking of it from like a branding point of view. So like if brand X is like, how good is this? Our athlete puts up 10 photos a day, but then consumer Y is me and I'm going, mate, I'm skipping all those videos because I know exactly what they're going to be. Mm. Whereas if it's someone like, you know, someone who like only puts up stuff that you're actually going to pay attention to 
Yeah. Then quality, you get the quality, engagement. Quality over quantity. quantity. Maybe it's that crux. Yeah. And maybe it's just the, there's the quantity of like photographers and videographers and all that is just so high now that like it's just so readily available. Yeah, there is a lot more of it, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, and, there, and like, I, they don't want to share their work and stuff. So it's like, yeah. I I just like scenery. I'm all about scenic running photos. Great. I don't want to see someone videoing their feet jogging on a concrete footpath. What about the, the drone footage and stuff? They got it up there. It's like a Netflix. Yeah, the drone. See, I, I quite like. That yeah, that's stuff. cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I guess it's what you're interested in. Exactly right. What floats your boat? It's like before you have kids, you're like, I do not want to see any photos of anyone. Oh yeah, ever. and now it's like, how cute are that kid's pajamas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Yeah, that's fine. So that's good. We got some whispers for you, Croaks. But um, hey, Sinead Dive, Australian record this uh, Sunday, Marigami. Heard it here on Monday night. She's going to run quick in 67.48. Got any news for me about that, Ellie? You back of me? You want to slab on it? I don't want to bet. No, I'm not betting against her because I reckon she will too. Yeah, yeah, that's coming. Um, I'm, on, I'm on your team there. Strong race um, in her Bal- Ballarat Marathon prep. <laughs> She's not doing Ballarat Marathon. Is that confirmed? Ellie will take the case yeah. on that on that part. Jeez. <laughs> on the... the listeners really let me down there. Uh, well, I heard a whisper as well, Croaks. I don't know. I reckon it must be someone else. Nah, this I just screenshot the email and sent it to the boys the other day. They're like, someone is pulling your leg and they wanted you to read that out on air and then they're joking with their mates. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I trusted that one. Uh, Lee Troop moving back to Australia as well, Croaks, coming back from Boulder. Uh, moving back to Geelong, he's got the Troop Loop down there named after him. So I'm just putting two and two together. I reckon he's going to be the new director of coaching at the Geelong Region Cross Country Team after their dis- disappointing sixth finish in season 2023. So mm. just wait and see what happens there with the big dog coming back in. Well, you reckon you reckon Gunther's getting punted? Lift the Sanders. Now he'll go to assistant director oh, of coaching. I, I like that. About I, that. I like that whisper from you, Brady. Because just putting two I'd and two together. Know. I want to know Moose's response. Disappointing results, so <laughs> the king comes back in town to straighten things up a bit. Do you reckon, can... Imagine Jules and Troopy. Do you reckon, oh. uh, how do you reckon those two personalities would go? <laughs> I'd like to get her in a team. I'd like to see some Instagram of that. I'd like to see some videos. <laughs> yeah, just keep an eye out for that one. Um, so that's about it. That's about the all. The Pussycats, we don't need a no, new, you don't need um, that. director of coaching. We're, we're yeah. getting put up to Divi 1 now. Yeah, just let your legs do the talking. Yeah, you'll be, Troopy you'll be doesn't want you to get relegated. Divi. You'll be competitive too, Ellie. Yeah, we were doing a bit of analysis last season to see how we'd go in Div 1 if we had, because you know how it's five runners instead of four and all those things, and we'll, we'll, we'll do okay. Yeah, we've got yeah. to do start. No, we've got to start recruiting now. Depends if no, Ellie goes um, to the Olympics or not, Croaks, and misses half the season. That might have yeah. a bit of an impact. Any whisper that Sinead might um, join Geelong? Oh, we've been trying hard to recruit Sinead. We've been we've been trying really hard for the last couple of years. Um, I'll keep working on it. I think she might have a bit of a busy year this year with Paris and yeah. training camps and things, but maybe 2025. 2025, just long-term plans. <laughs> uh, who else is in action in Marigami? you got Charlotte Purdue there as well, Brett Robinson. Any other Australians? Is Jack? Don't think so. I don't no, think so. no. We did read them out in last week's, maybe the episode before. If you want to desperately go back, there'd be a link as well, Japan Running News, I reckon. Son- Sandra, Sandra Marwin. Sandra Marwin, our friend in Norway. Yeah, he's having a run. Uh, US Olympic it's trials It's always as hard well. to find a stream for Marigami too. I don't know if there is one or I remember I've, always, I've never been able to get it. 
Yeah, it's always dodgy, isn't it? Mm. Um, US Olympic trials, though, 3rd of Feb. Yeah. What's that, Sunday our time? Uh, so Saturday. Saturday. Oh, like, yeah, Sunday middle, morning. Yeah, it's going to be like early Sunday morning, like 1 a.m. or oh, something. Too early to yeah. get up. This yeah. Is always, this, yeah, this is a cool event. Yeah, this is going to be big. Lindsay Flanagan, she, we said her last week, jump on. Runners World, writing articles on her last week too after the show. People passed those on to me. Um, mm. Which was good. I ran with Lindsay last weekend when I was in Adelaide. She fit. 220k weeks, I heard. She's fit. Yeah, 200. Yeah. She's been doing heat training on top of training in Adelaide, mm. which is hot as hell. Um, and yeah, big, big workouts going really well, I think. She's so. a gutsy runner too, like really knows how to hurt herself. Have yeah. you got any more tips? I think for that? she wants it to be hot because you know how she did really well at Budapest? She mm. came ninth, I think. So I think she's hoping that it's, you know, as hot as it can be, basically. Um, yeah, I think that she reckons that they're going to go out fast as well. If it's good conditions, she thinks the that the lead pack will go really fast, like sub 220 pace. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to watch. Wake up to that news Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday morning as well, Croaks, Road to Osaka, marathon session. It's happening. Albert Park. Uh, here's all the details. Thanks to Mizuno for putting all these details together. I'm just reading them out. They're doing some big work behind the scenes. 6.30 a.m., bottle drop, nutrition, other to table setup. Uh, so that's where we're going to meet. 6.45, the warm-up starts. And at 7.15, the workout starts. The workout from Moose is 8K, 6K, 4K, 2K. With 2k float, 1.5k float, 1k float between. There's going to be different options for like workouts and stuff. So that's the one Moose is doing. Some people are doing that. Some people aren't. Some people just coming to do their long run. Um, some people are just going to be on the side of the road, opening up Instagram, hopefully, get a few videos of us after I've just slagged off that before. Uh, the location, <laughs> Albert Road Drive. The drive is close to traffic at one end, so traffic should be limited. The drive is next to the warm-up track at Lakeside Stadium. There is a toilet block nearby too. Runners are best to park in the service lane car park, perpendicular to Albert Road, and walk across to Albert Road Drive. This will be on our socials as well. So if you're out running at the moment and can't listen to me while I'm saying this, um, this will be all in our social media. There'll be a whiteboard there. So on arrival, head to the Mizuno van area and register your interest in a specific session pace. So you can give yourself an idea of who you'll be running with. Um, for example, there might be something written there saying 5K reps at 320 pace or 4K reps at 430 pace, or some people might just be jogging. So you can add your name to a certain one there. Uh, the wear test, there's going to be the Rebellion Pro 2 and the Flash 2 um, alongside a daily trainer that will be there as well. So if you just want to jog and shoot, this gives runners opportunity to try and mix out the options. Um, get there quick though, because the amount of pairs will be pretty limited. So if you want to get there a bit earlier um, to make sure you can get your size and stuff like that as well. Precision fuel and hydration will be hooking us up with a mix of gels, chews and drink mix sachets. Um, please be conscious of how much you take to ensure everyone in attendance can make sure they've got some. Uh, water bottle tables, I've spoken about that. Uh, you need to register. There's a link in our Instagram bio. We'll put it on Facebook and stuff as well, just to register. So we've got, I think it's for insurance purposes. We know who's at the location. Um, and then, yeah, we'll do some, um, a bit of a briefing before we start and then be a place where you can keep your belongings so you don't have to mm. keep going back and forth to your car. A massive thank you to these guys for organising this. They're very thorough. And it should be good. I think close to 60 people have registered already, Brad. So it should be yeah, good. 
Put an um, initiative. Are, are you, are you going, Brady? Yeah, yeah I'm going. Session? Yeah, as long as my knee's all good, which I'm, yeah, 95% confident. Yeah, Moose Nine's staying down there, Brad. Moose has organised an accommodation, so just keep an eye on the inside running card tomorrow morning, I reckon, because he's got expensive taste <laughs> and something will be coming through on that card. Yeah, I'll be on. Are you going to go, Ali? You're not sure what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going, apparently. Oh, you're I going? I'm told I'm going. Good. Yeah. I got yeah, told well. Moose was trying to talk you into it and wasn't sure where he was at with that, so that's just good. From yeah. Six, from 60 to 100. 150, yeah. I reckon. You can I haven't it. registered, though. I have to register. Will, um, Will and Kieran, who I train with, they're going to do it as well. So, oh, um, so good. Yeah. Are you going to do the same workout from Moose? Is that the first time you've heard uh, that workout? Yeah. Uh, no, I actually did. He did say last weekend that we were doing this. So, yeah, we'll do the same. Do Brady, think, don't, um, don't do your Osaka race on nah. Sunday. I was going to say, do you think people are rocking that? Like, it'd be like taking a ticket at the Dally Croaks. It's like, I took Moose down to work out last week. Someone else is like, I'm rocking up and destroying Moose this week. Yeah. That I'm last not, 2K I'm, is going to get rolling, and I'm not I'm the not, guy to get yeah. it rolling. I'm just going to be, wherever Moose is, I'm going to be two steps behind and go work out. I'm not sure Moose is how, how Moose is going to go with this, when you might just have a few punters there just to run with him and just half-step him for the even the first 8K rep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, imagine if you're just like, hey, I just want to do an 8K, or just do a 5K time trial and go the first 5K in front of Moose of that 8K rep. Just run, yeah, just run beside him and just heckle the shit out of him. Yeah, if you want to run, if you want to break 1630 for 5K, just come and run the first 5K of that 8K. And just get into him the whole way. You think the bickering was bad with just me and him. Imagine him with 30 people in the pack. Yeah, he's like, cut this, cut this. It's going to be so much fun, so yeah. Looking forward to that, getting down there and, um, yeah, seeing some people on the ground. And then, yeah, but really there's no elitism about this. If you want to come down for a jog, if you want to be there for half the session, if you want to do your own session, if you want to just warm up with some different people, um, that's the place to do it. Albert Park from 6.30 a.m. this Sunday morning, which is the 3rd of Feb. 3rd? 2nd? 4th. 4th. U.S. trials are the 3rd. Yeah. What's coming up, Croaks? 6.30, between... I'm going to have to leave really mm-hmm. early. Nah, Moose is shouting accommodation. Come down Saturday night. Oh, uh, yeah. Running yeah. company Geelong. <laughs> Put it on. Cover, cover everyone's accommodation. Yeah. Five-star hotel on the park. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? Someone's paying for it. As long as it's not us, Ali, we'll be right. <laughs> uh, what are you doing between now and Sunday morning then, Ali, when we see you next? Uh, session Wednesday, which is unknown because we don't know until we get there. And then, yeah, just just running, just twice a day, every day, heat stuff, and, yeah, no other plans. Good. Bradley, what do you got coming up? Uh, not much this week. Like, Lily starts kindy tomorrow, so I'm going to have a few um, just kid-free days until my work starts back. So, yeah, not a, not a great deal for me. Oh, awesome. That's good for you. Put some, put some training together. Yeah. How do you enjoyed this episode legends thanks for tuning in we really appreciate that you chose our podcast to listen to and we'll do it all again next week uh road to osaka may come out a bit earlier this week as well because they'll be promoing the uh the sunday workout so um we might put that out like thursday friday if you're not on patreon they'll get it tuesday so keep good luck for that big guest coming in that as well i think I was just going to say um, good luck for Osaka, Ellie. I don't think uh, you'll be back on um, between now and then. Isn't oh, she? Thanks, Brad. We got her for we got her for one more uh, episode, booked, she, haven't we? No, I thought she was coming in for the um, post race. Okay. Uh, no, I think that 
you couldn't get someone for a couple of weeks, so I might be back. Oh, She's okay. back. Oh, She's that's back, good. Gregs. You'll hear her once oh, more okay. before Osaka. I wish you I wish you luck then. Yeah, that'll be tape taper time. So gotta oh, that's I've gotta to get to that point and then yeah. I'm out of the danger zone, hopefully. That's it. Yep. All right. See you guys. Thanks again for Ali for filling in. Thanks, no worries. See you guys. Yeah. As you're listening to this show, you're probably training for a race. But how dialed in is your race nutrition? Precision Fuel and Hydration has a free online planner that you can use to work out how much carb, sodium, and fluid you need to perform at your best. Then they have a range of fuel and electrolyte products to make it real easy to hit your numbers. Brady regularly uses their resealable 90-gram gels on his longer runs, and the boys training for Osaka are working with their sports science team to dial in their strategies for race day. They also work with a long list of top runners, including four-time Olympian Lisa Waitman, Hayden Hawks, and regular guest on the show, Izzy Bat-Doyle. Click the link in the show notes to use the planner to personalise your strategy for your next race. Then use the code INSIDE to get 15% off your first order of fuel and electrolytes and help support the show. Patreons can get 20% off using the code shared in our Patreon-only shows. Shop now at precisionhydration.com.